Man, check it out. My new Gore-Tex watch. I can store 20 numbers in this watch. Tonight, I'm going to fill it. All or nothing. No compromise. Tonight, I'll be the super me. What if the super you meets the super her and the super her rejects the super you? Then it's no problem. Uh, why? Because it was never you. It was just an act. I live my life like a French movie, Steve. <laughs> Webster and 24th, it should be here. Let's ask this clown where the club is. Hey, man. Where's the soda? I get it. You're mine. Mind the address. Well, give me a ride and I'll show you. Where's the soda? Our car broke down. Yeah. I'll tell you about love. Love disappears, baby. Every time I've been broke, babe has been off like a prom dress. Maybe it's the girls you choose. Hey, maybe I've been hurt. Maybe I've been dumb. Does anybody know where this place is? Hey, what do I look like, a Thomas Brothers guide? You know, you really shouldn't speak. Yes. Hey, where do you guys work? I'm the maitre d'. Wow. Of transportation. He's working on a gridlock problem. Thank God. I build airplanes. Woo, woo, woo. In 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of October, 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 in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for drawing near my fellow travelers on the road of whimsicality. Fantastic. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Seven three three two nine seventy. If you would like to join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvitches, recipes, ruminations, observations, ponderings, musings, whatever you might have, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the absurd. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You can email if you like. It is Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. My processing sounds fantastic today. I think Matt came in and gave everything a good uh, good polishing. Good, did indeed. Good going over. All right. Wonderful. Uh, hello, Tim Riley. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello. We all sound fantastic today. We do. Mic processing is exemplary. Thank you, Matt. Well done, Matthew. Let's sit here and reflect on that for the next four hours. Let's just sit and read aloud from a recipe book. All right. You know what we ought to do? Hey, wait. Hold on. Bit just occurred to me. Wait, no. Wait. No, it's more of a... Hold on. No, it's more of a notion. Wait. Now it's a thought. Now it's sort of a question. Now it's a hypothesis. Wait, now it's a theory. Now it's a postulate. Now it's an idea. Okay, I have a great idea. You always hear that phrase, I'd listen to that guy read the phone book. Which is what they say whenever a guy has a great voice. You know, they go, I'd just listen to that guy read the phone book. Doesn't even matter what he's saying. Okay, so here's what we ought to do. 
I can milk this for weeks. We should try to find, and just and, and no professionals, but just from the audience, just from li- the listening base, we should try to find the best male and best female voice in Portland. And they audition by reading from the phone book. What do you think? Are you with me? Yes. We could do like, a, and we could do a bracketing system, like an N- like an NCAA thing. Uh, where we, you know, we bracket it all the way down. We get it down to like, uh, we get it down to like ten female voices, ten male voices. We put them up on the website. People can listen, then they vote, and then we find the best male, uh, best male voice in the audience, best female voice in the audience, and then we have them act something out. That's a great idea, and it works on the radio. Not like so much of our. Sarah's telling me we did that four years ago, but I don't think that's true. I think we talked about it four years ago, and then we never did it. I'm pretty sure I remember doing it. But who was the winner? I think it was just a female, though. I don't think we did a male. We had a, we had ladies come in. Well, whatever. We're going to do it again. We're going to do well, it again. That, that was like 17 formats ago. You know, but that's what I'm saying. And you know what it is? This is, this is like how bands, uh, you know, they do their first three records, and then they go back and they re-record that demo. They take it into the studio, and they do an updated version of their original. Well, this is our four-track, and we made this on a uh, biodegradable cassette in my brother's bedroom, so there's not really any existing copies. Um... We just did the mimeographing down at the Kinkos, and then we were, like, handing this out, and it's got artwork uh, by my girlfriend at the time, uh, Cindy. There you go. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take this old demo. We're going to make it a full studio release. I like it. Okay. So I like that, and not like so much of our crap, which really where we have to say, like, well, this isn't really perfect for the radio, but we're going to do it anyway. Let's all watch a video. This is perfect for the radio. This is where radio lives. This is radio's wheelhouse. All right. I'm making a note to myself. Phone book reading contest will be much more interesting than it sounds. Phone book. And, uh, you know, we have a voicemail uh, line here that we don't really use for anything. Uh, it's just a station voicemail box, and we can use that phone book reading contest. All right. Contest. I don't know if it would actually be... I don't know if it would actually be a phone book. We, we, you know, we might prepare some generic text for them, so they're all reading the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. I like what I'm hearing from me, Rick Emerson. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us uh, from the Hill. Talk about all that is happening on Campaign Trail 08, where I guess Barack is now. He's taking a few days off to go visit an ailing grandmother. Yeah, his grandmother's really sick. Let me just say what we're all thinking. Female voters love a guy who goes to take care of an ailing female family member. And you know it's true. Chicks dig that. I'm not saying, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, hope she recovers and I'm very sad and whatnot, but I, that's that's immaterial. That That is immaterial for our uh, purposes. As Hannibal Lecter would say, that is incidental. Uh, what I'm saying here, chicks dig a guy, some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of like gravely ill mom or grandmother. Chicks dig that. You know it's true. What else? Uh, so we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about that. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City today. And CNN Radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles. We're speaking of things that we did four years ago. They're finding a jury for this, I guess, the next Phil Spector trial. I mean, the guy's only been out like six months or done for six months. Jesus. So anyway, uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that. And I guess they're going to be doing, I swear to God, this is true. Well, first of all, they started voting already in Ohio like three months ago. Yes. Which seems crazy, but what did you do? ballot yesterday? I got mine. You know, I haven't checked my mail. Uh, I think it was brought in when I got home and I didn't get a chance to look at it. So they started voting already in Ohio. They voted in Florida today. I think they started voting in Florida today. Sure you know that election's two weeks away. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, let's see. What else? But, but then today, I swear to you, they're starting drive-through voting in California. You'll be able to pull up, vote, be on your merry way. 
All right. I like that. Uh, top five today, which is the top five from yesterday. Top five uh, celebrities who released an album, even though the album was unknown to you, and it's released even more unknown. And like that. Nina Parker from TMZ joining us today. Bush Watch, Taser Watch, uh, a fantastic uh, Craigslist posting. John Kerry says something embarrassing but funny. And, uh, you know, stuff, ruminations. Oh, and I gave myself a paper cut on the face yesterday. Ouch. Yeah, Ouch. just in case you were... Uh... How would you even do that? You know, it's funny It's funny you should ask that. Uh, everybody. Oh, has... God, I hope you didn't lick an envelope and then slice the inside of it. No, I've done that. I, I gave oh. myself a paper cut on my tongue once doing that, licking an envelope. And I was, do... I was doing that thing of, like, I had to mail a bunch of stuff. You know, and so it's like, you know, lick, fold, mail. Lick, fold, mail. Lick, ah! You know, that, uh -huh. I've done that. Uh, no, I was holding a sheaf of papers in my hand yesterday, and I was on the phone, and so I had the phone on my left hand, sheaf of papers on my right, and then I had, like, an itch. You know, like, on my chin or something. You know, it's like a little, you get a little, little you know, a little you know, scratch or whatever. So I go, I go and I, I scratch myself, and I didn't realize that I had the papers in my hand. So I go and I scratch, and then I pull my hand away, right across my face. There you go. Paper cut on my face. That's how I roll. Yes. Uh, okay, so yesterday's big announcement was that the big announcement was going to be delayed till today, which is both sad and it's lame. It's good. It is great, though. So we're going to have the big announcement here in like yeah. 45 seconds. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A man couple is beaten during an Ecuadorian holiday. A prosthetic leg is stolen from a Cowlitz County fisherman's wow. truck. A Vancouver man is rescued from a garbage chute. A teenage party turns into a drunken riot in Gresham. Congress is thinking about creating a new domestic spy agency similar to Britain's MI5. Like, we don't... What happened to the FBI? Well, who knows? Obama stops campaigning to visit his sick grandmother. Some rascals unsuccessfully try to block Sarah Palin's motorcade in Colorado. And Sarah Palin keeps breaking with John McCain on various issues. She's crazy, Timmy. She is. One California city wants Greyhound and its customers to go away. Okay, then. Well, all right, then. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you? Hello. Hey. Hi. 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 How's everything? I'm doing fabulous. Okay. I was really looking forward to riding my bike today, but it was, alas, it was way too cold. Dude, there was way fog outside. It was so foggy, I couldn't even see. It was strange. I had to leave the house kind of early this morning for that thing that I can't talk about. And I was, the whole way out there, you're just sort of like, you know, and you keep waiting for spiders to come out of the mist and take John Lee. It's all very, it was weird looking. I dig the fog, though. I think fog is one of my favorite elements. I mean, I you know I don't care much for uh, for you know for wind, you know, and there's snow and there's whatever. I think fog is really righteous though. Fog's pretty neat. Cause it's like you know walking around in a cloud. It is terrifying and magical, and I think it is actually walking around mm -hmm. in a cloud. I mean, I think that's the. Is there any difference between cloud? You always hear that fog is just that they're low-hanging clouds, but is that true, or is that a thing we say because it seems true, but it's really not? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if clouds and fog are the same thing. In other words, if the only difference is one of elevation. Well, all right. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. All right. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Without further ado, let's get to our big announcement. Um, so do I even have... Uh, let's see. Do I actually have production? I was going to maybe uh, unveil this by playing one of our promos. Well, I'll just say it. Um, so yesterday's big announcement is now happening today. Yesterday's big announcement was one of postponement because we need to get some things, as they say, just buttoned up and nailed down. And the I's uh, dotted and the T's crossed and the other thing and the tab A and the slot B. So we are now today, we were just mentioning this, two weeks away from the election. Two weeks away from election ought eight. Uh, that is happening two weeks from today on Tuesday, November 4th. And so we are proud to uh, present the AM 970 Rick Emerson Show Political Party, which will be happening two weeks from tonight, uh, Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., 
at uh, Grand Central Bowling and Restaurant Lounge, an uh, Eighth and Morrison in beautiful Southeast Portland. So along with uh, our friends at the Lambert Week and the Oregon Bus Project, we are going to be there at uh, Grand Central Bowl on Eighth and Morrison, two weeks from the night, 7 p.m. Uh, and there's going to be a whole bunch of things happening. First of all, that place is fantastic. Um, you, you know, because they recently remodeled it. The whole the great layout, billion TVs everywhere. But of course, the big news of that night is that Tim Riley will be there in the AM 970 Mobile News Studio. It'll be fantastic. Doing live updates, live broadcasts on this station from Grand Central Bowl throughout the night, yeah. giving election returns, uh, interviews, uh, sound clips, tearful concession speeches. It'll be the place to be. It is. It'll be a night to tell your grandchildren about. That's what I'm saying. It really has been the best election year ever, and also the worst, but mainly the best for all the same reasons. So we're going to kind of give it the finale it deserved. We've never really done anything like this. No. Uh, we have never done any sort of election viewing party, election results party, anything like that. Because it's, I, I mean, they say this kind of stuff, and you never really believe it's true. But it is true this year that it, there really has never been an election year quite like this one. So two weeks from tonight, Tuesday, November 4th, at Grand Central Bowl on 8th and Morrison in South, uh, Southeast Portland, along with Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project, uh, we what will the be Oregon there. What does the Oregon Bus Project do? And that's that thing where they get people to vote. Oh, a bus project. Is that the one that uh, Jefferson the bus project? Jefferson Davis? Whitman? Ziddenton? Herferer? Um, oh, I can never example. remember. Oh, that is a vehicle, not a bus project. Not a, not a bus project. A bus. I'm not sure who would be working on the Oregon bus project. That would be... No, I've got nothing. No, I wasn't prepared for that joke. I'm sorry. Uh, so that is happening two weeks from tonight. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show's political party, uh, brought to you uh, by proud sponsors such as Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, uh, our fine friends at uh, Taboo Adult Video, and more to come. So you can find more details at 970.am, but that is happening two weeks from tonight. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show political party. Wow, two weeks. Two weeks from the night, baby. Well, I'm ready. Uh, Tim Riley oh will be uh, broadcasting throughout the night. He's going to be giving live updates. You'll be able to go see Tim. You'll be able to stare at him and make beads of sweat appear on his forehead as he broadcasts election results live across our fair state. Nobody will make me break a sweat. No, no. And can I also reveal? Well, I will, Tim. I'm going to say that a few times throughout the night, Tim Riley is actually going to be broadcasting uh, Oregon and Washington results live across the entire country on CNN Radio. The CNN Radio Network. Tim Riley reporting live across the United States of America. With the blessings of Tyler Moody. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so that is two weeks from tonight, the Rick Emerson Show political party, Grand Central uh, Bowl on Nathan Morrison, Tuesday the 4th at 7 p.m. More details on that to come. Excellent. All right, wonderful. What time is it? Jesus, it's 20 after already. Uh, let's see, paper cut on my face. Oh, Tim, yes. did you watch Mad Men? I did. All right, what do you think? By the way, tune out if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Show it aired Sunday night. Your own fault. Wow. I, I I don't know what to say, really. There's just so much in that episode. Yeah. And there's one more to come. Okay, so that's the tw that's right, because they gave a preview of the next episode, and I waited till the very end whether or not they're going to say that, and they did. And it, the but nobody knows what the hell and they're I doing there. I thought that this episode was clearly a cliffhanger. That's what I thought, because there was there was all of this discussion uh, on the, uh, the Internet slash Intertron slash World of Tomorrow. Where somebody was saying it was the penultimate episode, which means there's one more. Somebody was saying it was the finale. Paddock and I were going back and forth about it because Ain't It Cool News said there was one more, but the AMC website said that they were done. So I wonder if that was a little bit of they were trying to screw with us a little bit, trying to keep us on tender hooks, as they say. See, we wouldn't really know. Uh, but there is one more. There is one more episode of this season of Mad Men, which 
I was talking to uh, Fat Boy about it last night. And he he watched a bit of the first season and then drifted away. And I was like, dude, you got to come back and watch the second season because I just drift away. Well, I don't know, you know, each their own. Uh, but um, you know, but I said that as good as the first season of Mad Men was, the second season is so much better. God damn, what a great show! Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, Sunday night Mad Men. It's like almost forty-eight hours ago. So if you're listening at this point, you want to know spoilers? That's your own boggle. How awkward and horrible was that sequence with Joan Holloway, though, on the oh, floor of the office? Yeah, I yeah, mean, it was, it was awful. And I didn't see it coming. I never saw it coming. And he's kind of, she's making them a drink, and he's kind of kissing her in the back of the neck. She's like, no, 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 it's not my office, you, silly. And then the next thing you know, it's like a full-on Luke and Laura moment on the floor. And they're doing that horrible thing where the camera just stays fixed, and you're just like, turn away, just cut away, cut away, show me something else. It's awful. Especially because, let's, I mean, I know it's a fake show, and they're fake characters and whatever, but... Christina Hendricks has just been such an object of, of, of fetishism from guys and probably a lot of women because she's so hot. Right. And so that thanks for ruining that. Thanks for making me feel like a deviant uh, for lusting after some woman that then uh, you know gets uh, the, the, the guy forced on her in that episode. It's just awful to watch. Um, but I, I think I speak for everybody here when I say WTF about the thing of Don Draper and that woman. So I think a listener sums it up. He says this. Mad Men, I'm so confused. As far as I understand, Don Draper slash Dick Whitman has gone AWOL in Southern California. He went to meet his previous but not divorced from wife while sitting on the porch, which she says you paid for. He said he needed a divorce from her so he could marry a new woman, the 20-year-old chick that picked him up and took him to the weird house and thinks she comes from a good family. Meanwhile, Mommy Dearest is at home with the kids while Daddy's on a business trip. So I think this guy's wrong on a few different counts. Because they jump back and forth in the time frame. Right, they do. So, as I understand it, tell me if this jives with your understanding, Tim. With Mad Men. In the grand overall timeline, Dick Whitman goes off to war. Don Draper gets killed. Dick Whitman assumes Don Draper's identity. Takes his dog text, which you can do in the 60s because there's no ID of any kind, you know, with pictures or whatever. Mm -hmm. He assumes Don Draper's identity. He goes back to California and starts selling cars. A woman comes in looking for her husband and says, you're not Don Draper. He gets her aside. They talk. He tells the whole story. Then he and this woman take up for a few years, it looks like. Yes. Until he meets Betty, which is the woman he's talking about. Elizabeth, he calls her. But Betty. He meets Betty, moves off to New York to be with Betty, goes to work at Cooper Sterling, Sterling Cooper, whatever, for a few years. And now when he's back in L.A. for the conference, he's catching up with the woman again. If I missed anything, do you think? That sounds about right. So my the question... Co- the confusing part in there, the, the part that straightened it out is when he was walking down the street with the grocery bag. Right, when is that? That was from the 50s. That was before he went to New York. Okay, so that is not when he's on the business trip now. Right, that is going back. Because you're wondering, well, if this is current time, why is he asked, Why is he saying, well, I sold them like it was just Past yesterday? Tense. Right. But I think it's about that same time period before he went to New York. Oh. I mean, that, that's see, just what I'm thinking. It's not necessarily... I thought it was different. See, I thought that was present day, at least in the series, because when he says, I sold them, I thought he was referring to years before. Well, I guess maybe it's unclear, because his style of dress and everything is a little vague in that scene. You can't right. quite tell when it takes place. That's just my hypothesis on that scene. I could be wrong. And so my thing is, so did he and, and, and the real Don Draper's wife, did they have some as Susan Reynolds called it, some relationship of convenience where they both knew it was destined to end 
Because it's not because she it said, hasn't gone that far yet. Well, she says uh, this is our last Christmas together. When he says he's going off to, to meet Betty, mm-hmm. or he met Betty, she's like, well, this is our last Christmas together. So I get the feeling they have shacked up for a few years. Both of them having a good time for what it is, but knowing that it's bound to end, which it does when he meets Betty. It's all right. very confusing. Which, And then my final thing about that is... When he met Don Draper's actual wife and they hooked up, did they move to another town? Because wouldn't all her friends go, that's not your husband? They must have moved. Because how? otherwise, how could she, unless they had no friends, how could she pass him off as the husband if everybody knew the real husband? That is true. I don't know. What a weird show, man. Anyway. So there you go. Uh, other thoughts? No, that scene did confuse me. Yeah, it's it's very perplexing. Uh, there's one more episode. I hope they clear some stuff up. Also, the Peggy stuff is great. That moment at the end of the episode where Peggy comes by Joan Holloway's desk, and this is after the, uh, you know, the the raping. Uh, Peggy comes by, and Joan is obviously having a bad week anyway. But Peggy, you know, talking about how she's moving into the office or whatever. And it's interesting because that is a whole microcosm of the feminist movement, I think. Yes. Because it's the, it's the roads diverging. Because on the one hand, you got Peggy, who is stepping up and, you know, being more assertive trying to play on an equal level as the men, gets her own office, which Roger Sterling commends her for. You know, he's like, hey, the guys in the office don't have the sack to ask for that. Exactly. But then on the other hand, you've got Joan Holloway, who is very much a the product of the pre-feminist era, where she's trying to depend on her looks and her subservient nature to get her by. And, it, and she must realize, or she must think anyway, that she's past her sell-by date. That's why she's sticking with that doctor, even though he's obviously a bastard. Because she figures she's just past her expiration date and she's got to land a man. So, It was a confusing episode, but I I kind of got the idea that Don Draper's actually some Charles Corralt character. You know, yeah, I could see that. Two duplicate families. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anyway, so what a weird show. But there's one more episode of that to go. Yes. All right. Um, so is this the second season? Second season. Okay, yeah, I'm going to start watching the first season. You will love it. It's it, for, for the style, if nothing else. I'm, is, yeah, I'm excited. It might be one of the most stylish shows that's ever aired on television. I mean, it's beautiful. Tim can uh, yeah. second me on that. It's yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful show. Cool. Uh, it's terrific television. You've never seen anything like it. No, it's, it's, quite, it's quite apart from anything I've ever seen. Uh, so anyway, so final episode of Mad Men next week. And then tonight... I don't know anything about it, so I can't reveal anything about it. But tonight, we enter the back half of the final season of The Shield. The Shield's final act begins tonight. Final six episodes. Um, and I don't know anything about it. Don't send me anything about it. I don't want to know. But I will say that the folks over at Ain't It Cool have seen it, and they said it. Some folks are saying tonight's episode of The Shield, which, again, is entering the final stretch for the whole shebang. They're saying, uh, some people are saying it's the best episode they've ever seen of The Shield. So, I'm just saying. Um, all right, let's do a few... Uh, Telephone calls here, and then we'll break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick? You? <laughs> hey, Rick, uh, this is Ed. Um, yesterday you were talking about the uh, Suicide Bunny, and uh, actually it's a movie in the theaters right now that it has a Suicide Bunny in it. What kind of movie is this, sir? It's a kid's movie. There's a kid's movie with a Suicide Bunny? Yeah, he tried to kill himself all during the whole movie. He tried to kill himself all the time. Is the movie is called Igor? Igor, why does that sound familiar? I'm so out of touch. Um, yeah, and then uh, the, actually the bunny is one of those uh, freaky experiments that uh, you know Doctor Frankenstein uh, did, and then uh, he cannot die. And during the whole movie, he tried to blow himself, he poisoned himself. Uh, Interesting. He blow his head, uh, everything, the whole deal. So I wonder if this is inspired maybe by then the book. I wonder if the, if the, the author of the book sort of sold the rights to the film so they could use the character. And is it in yeah. theaters now, do you know? 
Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's now, but uh, I saw it with my kids two weeks ago, and we were all like, uh, why in the name of the Lord they did this movie for kids? <laughs> it was the darkest, the most, I don't know, it was kind of a horrific movie. It's like, uh, uh, you know, one of those uh, Tim Burton's movies. Right, well, you gotta yeah. you got to warp those kids young so they're uh, used to the horrors of the modern world, sir. Yep. All right, yep. Igor, I'll look into it. All right, thank you, my friend. Best show ever. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Wonderful. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, before we uh, do anything else, uh, talking about that uh, Bunny Suicide book, so I guess our friend Taffy Anderson uh, was on the news last night. Now, keep in mind, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Secondhand information only, but I guess uh, but I guess Taffy Anderson, who's trying to, or, or uh, by my read on the story, has stolen, that's my read on it, uh, this book of Bunny Suicides from her kid's high school and announced that she's going to burn it. So I guess she was on the news last night. I got some. Uh, we got some people who did see it. And they're gonna. We have response from that. Uh, Richie wants us to know that Deborah Caldwell Stone, who is the deputy director of the American Library Association, will be joining us on the phone today at one o'clock to talk about Miss Anderson's uh, rather unique view of the right to read in America. Good job, Richie. Thank you, Richie. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. It's Janice. Hello. Hi. Hey. Um, okay, so I have a totally different view on Mad Men. Did, what, what at all gave you the impression that Dawn and that woman, the old blonde woman from his past, Dick, Dick Whitman, you know, who he right. was with, and, uh, what gave you the impression they were romantically involved? Well, I don't, know, I don't think they ever were. I'm not sure that it was romantically involved, but I, I did get the feeling they were together for a long time because she said, this is our last Christmas together. Right, but I think what he did, he met her at the car shop. They sort of moved in together. I don't even think it was a convenient thing. Maybe he was just her roommate. Right. Because he was still married to her legally as the other person. That's true. So, and they never gave you any... And he came home, he totally said, oh, I met this great woman. If they were romantically involved, why would he be so mm. excited to tell her about this other woman, Betty? Well, see, again, so, I thought maybe they had one of those modern relationships, you know, where it was, uh, you know, it was sort of an understanding. No, I think that they just sort of, after they realized they were married by legally only, mm. why not move in together, be roommates or whatever, mm. until something else comes along, and then we'll get divorced and that makes go it on almost, from there. That almost makes it more interesting, because he's such, he's such so a Lothario, he's such a womanizer. It would be interesting if he did have a relationship with this woman that, that wasn't that way, because he does no, seem to be and that's a two-timer. Exactly, remember Matt Wiener said, it's all appearances are not what you think this yeah. season and all of that, and I totally think he meant it to be that it's just, it was the one one platonic relationship with a excellent. beautiful woman in his life, okay, you know? fair enough. So, that's I my thought. I suppose that's possible. Yes. All right, excellent. Thank you. Okay, talk to you later. All right, there you go. All right. Uh, I never thought of it that way. All right. All right, sir, do we I'll have to break you. here? Probably if you want to stand All right, right. we got two more Mad Men calls, but we'll do them when we get back. So, John and Jim, uh, if you were on hold there, and I know you are because I just saw your names and I'm saying them now, John and Jim. Uh, hang tight. We'll get more Mad Men thoughts around the corner. Lisa Desjardins and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And it's unclear whether anybody last night used the, uh, what is Taffy trying to pull line? That may still be a Tim Riley uh, Oh, they had to have. Well, it might be a Tim Riley exclusive. Not everybody's Tim. They try. They fail. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In one moment, we'll speak with CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. I promise to get a at least one of these Mad Men calls. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, yeah, I kind of agree with that lady. I don't think they ever had, uh, you know, the Mrs. Draper and Don ever had a relationship. Uh, he p he paid her money so that uh, she wouldn't rat him out, i.e., you paid for the right, porch. Right, right, right. And, uh, but 
technically they were legally married because the original Draper and her were married. Sure, sure. So that, um, that marriage has to be annulled, divorced, whatever, in order for him to go on and live a single life. So it was very were, much a relationship of convenience for both I of them. I think they were just nothing but good friends. Interesting. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye now. All right, there you go. Uh, we'll get one more of those here in a bit. This, however, is CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Why, uh, hello, how are you today? Hi, guys, how are you? I'm fantastic. But hey. no, 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 really, really, how are you? Outstanding. Uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm starting to get all, I'm starting to get a little revved up. You know, I, I go weeks. back and forth. Every, some days I'm just like, oh, this election. And some days I'm like, hey. Hey, this election. Hey, this election. Yeah. Uh, we were having one of those uh, days yesterday, actually. What is today, Tuesday? Yeah, yesterday's Monday. Um, yeah, because lately, I think by the end of last week, I think yeah. after the final presidential debate, we were all just like, ah, screw this. Just, everybody vote. But you know what i got to say? Yesterday, I was all revved up again. Just like, I was, I was ready for this to go on for another month. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I was just like, this election can go on forever. I don't even care. We got, we got people, you know, a friend of mine was in line in Florida three and a half hours today. To vote early. Now, hold on. I'm sorry. I was adjusting the thermostat. Um, so uh, what is the deal? So Ohio started voting like five years ago or something. <laughs> I mean, what is the deal with that? So it's Ohio? Candidates, actually, yeah. And why? what is up with that? Why did Ohio get to vote weeks ago? Yeah, there's all kinds of different rules. You know, the basically, uh, the idea is so that um, the idea is so people won't have to stand in line on Election Day itself. But, of course, in some states where they expect huge turnout, like right. Florida, the first days, today, today is day number two of early voting. These first days have led to incredibly long lines. And, of course, it's the equipment, this is the first run of the equipment, so they've had some problems. So they want to they get in line now so like their vote can be lost as soon as possible. That's what, exactly. Uh, they don't want to wait to have their, uh, their ballot invalidated. Right, exactly. But, you know, early voting in Virginia started, I think, a month ago. Wow. Quite a long time ago, and they, uh, you know, it's it's kind of running like clockwork. Now, Virginia, some states like Florida, you can just show up and early vote, but in Virginia, right. you've got to give an excuse. You've got to, and but they, Virginia actually, to its credit, sent out flyers that were basically like, if if you have a job, you can make, <laughs> you know, you can pretend that, and they gave you what what you're supposed to say right. if you want to go in. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so here's a dumb question, actually. Then, so if they're already voting in, oh, I don't know, let's say Florida. Does that mean you can already be doing exit polling? Well, I guess technically we could you be. You should but totally you know, do it. Do it. Do it. Wow, I didn't think about that. And we you know it's a good question because maybe our exit polling will be all skewed because See? if a lot of people vote early, we're going to miss that segment of the the most fervent uh, or. Uh, I don't know, uh, the early bird gets the worm kind of crowd. I was going to say the most lazy, but actually these guys are standing in some Please lines. don't take this the wrong way, but I can't believe nobody's doing that. I mean, this is... That's a really good point. I I, I agree. Okay, you pass that along to see You let them know that was Rick Emerson that came I will, that I will. I will send an email saying... I mean, you know. there's, I mean seriously, I feel like... Not, you know, we have listeners in Florida. Maybe they should just go stand out there and do some exit polling for CBS Radio. Yeah, you know what the problem is? Is it costs... Exit polling costs... So much money, and and be, and we would have to do it every day. What is it? But what does that mean? You got some guy standing there with a clipboard. Who'd you vote for? Right, but you have to, you have to do it across the entire state. Uh-huh. You don't all day have long. to. You you could, know, so it's, I suppose you could, but you could. But you, you could also just across you all could, of the state. You could just pick the most contentious counties. I guess you could. That's true. I'm just saying. I you know here's the thing. I uh, Rick Emerson's just trying to help speed this along to the three <laughs> ring you know the three ring circus that it is. Exactly. I'm trying to I'm trying to cut out any of this sort of journalistic middleman and get right to the whole blood you know the uh, the whole bread and circuses uh, you know Roman Empire state of affairs. Circus, yeah. Well, all right. Um, Jesus, what else have we got here? Uh, so uh, so Obama's taking a hours. 
vacation. Wow. A few days off because um, he's going to visit his grandmother, who's, I guess, who he has been mentioning, actually, kind of throughout uh, his campaign, is, you know, a woman who made a, a profound impact on him, and I guess she's very, uh, very ill. So what, what happens? Does Biden take over, or do they just sort of shut down for a couple of days? Um, yeah, no, Joe Biden and, and Michelle Obama will be taking over. In fact, Michelle Obama is going to take over his specific events on Thursday, mm-hmm. I believe, and maybe Friday. So they're yeah they're basically going to fill the slot there. Uh, but yeah, he had you know Obama had such a great line about his grandmother in his acceptance speech where he right. said you know it was her uh, decision you know not to go without a new dress to go without a, a new car uh, and that allowed him to be there and that it was her night too I even mean, though she couldn't make it. So it was yeah so you know it it sounds like it must be uh, rather serious. All but, right and and let's but you know let's also just say what everybody thinks is thinking which is that this this. Has got to play well with a certain segment of voters, though. Yes. I mean, that's you know, I mean, it really does. I mean, that's it's, just it's sort a... of the, like a, another, like a Hawaiian great schlep effect. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, you don't really, you don't know about a the great schlep. I can't believe Steve Kasnerbaum hasn't bring that, brought this up because he's he's big into the idea of the great schlep. I got nothing. Well, okay, this is an idea. Sarah Silverman, the comedian, is is a sort of the spokesperson for this. And and there's a fantastic uh, video that she did. Well, that that explains why I don't know about it. By the way. Oh, does it? Really? The words Sarah and Silverman, back to back, explain why I haven't seen. You're something. anti. Well, I'm anti her being referred to as a comedian in any way or oh. funny at all. But okay. that's okay. Um, uh, personality, Sarah yeah, Silverman. Yeah. And what would you go with? A celebrity? I don't know. Person? Uh, I don't know. A woman, a woman named Sarah Silverman. That chick who's on who's on Comedy Central for you know half an hour after South Park and before they encore South Park. That that's one. what she's called. That she's, one, as John yes. McCain would say, that one. Um, yeah. All right. So what is it? So she, what so is the great schlep? Is she's making a big push, especially to uh, you know New York Jews, young New York Jews. To go to Florida, visit their grandparents, and convince them to vote for Barack Obama. I see. Okay, and, then. Which, which actually, apparently, a bunch of them are doing it. Well, there you go. So there you go. So it's kind of this the same sort of uh, appeal to the grandparents. Yeah, I, you think you're right. It, prob- it probably will. And I do think Barack Obama, he's not underexposed. He he definitely, I think maybe... He has brand recognition. Being trail for a couple of days is yeah. not... All that bad of an idea. Uh, let, well, he's got more money. I mean, he probably couldn't spend the money if he tried at this point. I'm not sure that he can. But, well, who is that nutcase woman? Up uh, my assessment. Uh, what is her name? Not the. Uh, what is her? What is her first name? Bachman. Um, Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman. Boy, she's nuts. And I, I don't expect you to concur with that assessment, by the way. But I'm telling you, Futurama fans will know that she's the hypnotoad. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Th- that woman's not. She's got crazy eyes. She's got crazy face. And I am proud to say that I called her out as being nuts long before she ever said this thing the other day about how Barack Obama has anti-American values, which did, by the way, result in, a, in an immediate raising of 800 grand uh, in that state on the Democratic side. Um, so let me ask you this. You saw John Stewart last night, I guess, did a whole thing about uh, kind of reaming, reaming the McCain camp on this socialism anti-American thing and, and saying, you know, New York firefighters after September 11th, apparently anti-American. And let me ask you this as well, so we're talking about the McCain side of things. So, as always, really the only thing anybody cares about is Sarah Palin. And so my question to you is that she made this, she was in the news yesterday, I guess she was saying that she was for a, a, um, a, an amendment to ban gay marriage, because, you know, it's... A constitutional amendment, that's right. Because it's the John gravest threat to, there, to right. everything. Right, and so my question is, what, is the McCain camp just not able to control that woman? Uh, you don't, I, I don't ever remember a VP candidate getting out there and just so often contradicting the guy who's at the top of the ticket. Yeah, you know, I think John McCain knew what he was getting when he when he hired her, essentially. I think he knew uh, that, that she was going to openly disagree with him on, on some things. 
And and I I think kind of uh, maybe not with his campaign hat on, but I think I think he kind of likes that. I think he kind of likes that sort of you know moxie. Uh, but you know, as a campaign technique, I'm not sure it works for them. Uh, but on the other hand, it appeals to those conservatives, you know, who who say, "Yeah, that's right. I want a constitutional amendment, and maybe if John McCain dies, <laughs> maybe I got a shot." So she talks to the. See, you're blunt spoken. That's why you you just put it out there. You say it like it is. So <laughs> so she speaks to the base maybe in a, in a sort of blunt way that he cannot. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. And in fact. You know, I, I do think that, that she is more likely to influence him than the other way around, as I've said before. And we've seen that in their interviews where I think they, when they did the dual interview, oh, I can't remember who that was with, when they did a dual interview and, you know, hey, Senator McCain, you do not want to drill in Anwar, eh? Governor Palin, you do. And then Governor Palin said essentially, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep working on that with Well, him. let me, let me just say this. I recognize Sarah Palin and all politicians as evil and vile. Uh, but that being said, look, I'm not going to lie. I imagine Sarah Palin can be uh, tremendously persuasive to any number of men on any number of things. <laughs> I mean, really, look, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be cooler or more above it than I am. Really, I have a feeling that Sarah Palin could uh, could probably talk me into almost anything. I'm just going to say that. It's true. Well, you know, but she's got that. Either she, if she, she, if she thinks you're on her side, yeah, if it, or neutral. But I think the people that she identifies as her opponents forget about it. You know, she is she is not going to try and convince you. She's going to try and take you down. And yeah, but that's kind of hot too. And that's exactly. I think I think that's one reason that McCain liked her. Yeah. And uh, conservatives like her. And so just to sort of bring this all around before we wrap it up. So I, it, 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 every day, it seems like the, 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 this is tightened up, or maybe that's just the polls that folks are choosing to report. But it does seem like this is tightened up over the last few days. Is that true? And if so, uh, to what do we ascribe that? Yesterday, I would have said yes. Today, it's not so clear. Now, yesterday, the poll of polls had them, I think it was uh, five or six points, which was the tightest we'd seen it in um, a few days because we're monitoring this patient hour by hour. Uh, today's poll of polls goes the other direction and has Barack Obama up by nine points, which is his largest lead in the poll of polls yet. Uh, you know, I think there's no way to know. I think anything can happen. I think um, certainly the wins are in Barack Obama's favor, but two weeks out, I, you know, I just, anything can happen. And McCain has right. really said now, John King reported yesterday, that he he is going to go after Florida and even Pennsylvania, despite the fact that Obama's got double-digit leads in the polls there. Looks like they're about to write off Colorado and New Mexico, perhaps, and instead focus on those big electoral states, Ohio and Florida. Uh, again, we'll see. And Pennsylvania. We've got three things. One, an email says, Rick, you should start exit polling Portland. Uh, our ballots arrived yesterday. Uh, since you have no actual polls because it's mail-in, that means the polling place is your house. I suggest you and Richie go door-to-door asking about votes. That's great. I'm totally going to do that. That's I'm going to begin doing exit polling today after the show. That's great. Two things. One, two more things, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, there ought to be at some sort of a... An eatery that specializes in perhaps a, you know, perhaps like a stew or a bisque. You ought to do a poll of bowls. Oh no. Also, somebody in Eastern Europe for CNN International ought to really just go to Poland and do a poll of polls. Oh, that's fantastic. We should do yeah. that. And I'm out. I'm in favor. All right. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. Are you on tomorrow? Yes. All right. We will talk to you then. Until then, may the good news be yours. And yours. All right. Thank you. There you go, Lisa Dejar again, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Bowl of bowls, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. Whatever. <laughs>
You listen to what I'm dead. I'm impressed with your enthusiasm. I want to hear what you collect when you and Richie are wandering the streets. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, hey. Uh, bring it back down to Mad Men. Yes, sir. Um, timeline. We're in 1962, uh, present day on, on Mad Men. And he says that his daughter's eight years old, which would mean she's born in 54. Right. The war, Korean War, which is where Dick, uh, Don Draper originally died, was ended in 53. So when he's meeting with this woman and says that he met, or says when he's meeting with his cousin and he said he's met a woman, Betty, what year are we looking at? How long were they together? When did he get out of the war? I'm trying to compress all of that. Well, I got I, man, I don't even know, and that's a good question. I don't even really know. And, you know, that show, Matthew Weiner is just such a stickler for accuracy that it, there must be a definitive answer. But I, 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 now that you ask me, I don't really know. That's what I'm trying to figure out, too. Is, uh, figure it couldn't have been that he got her pregnant because of the way he was saying. Right. Had to have been a regular marriage, marriage then they get pregnant. So you, now you're talking into 53, maybe even 52, but that's the height of the Korean War. Uh -huh. So, and then when, when was he selling cars for prior to that? How, how long was she looking? I was getting all confused by it. Seriously, uh -huh. you and me. Now, see, now I'm confused. I thought I knew it, and now I don't. Uh, well, there's got to be online. We'll, we'll figure it out. That'll be our mission today. By the end of the day, we're going to try to figure out the Mad Men timeline. Thank you. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. Ladies and gentlemen from New York City, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going fantastically. How are things? Boy, you know the stock market. Every time you, you look up at the at the big board, it changes so much. You're like, ah, oh, enough already. What you know, is it? You know? Have we had two good days in a row? No, not That's, at all. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. There you go. That's it. It, it, it fluctuates so much right now. It, 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 it's at the point where you just like you don't even pay attention. You, you don't want to pay attention to it anymore because it's 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 just out of control. I mean, a little while ago, it was uh, close close to 200 points down. Now it's uh, 32 points down. Yesterday was four, over 400 points up, and it's just you know it, it's it's enough to really upset you. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, guys, calm down. Okay, I have a great idea for a sidebar piece for you, as I always do. All right, here's what you do: you get like a um, one of those like a spinners from a twister game or whatever, you know, something like that. You spin, and you just put a bunch of uh, numbers on it, up or down, and then you spin it every day, and then compare it to what the actual stock market did. And see, would we do better just spinning a wheel and randomly picking a number that the stock market ends at? They didn't they once do a study with a chimpanzee or a monkey picking stocks, and he did just versus Jim Cramer. Yeah, they had a monkey that picks stocks versus Jim Cramer's picks. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, it, that it goes to show you that there is really no science behind this no. picking stocks. It's really an art. And uh, you know, right now, what's going on? It, it, there are so many wild swings. In uh, the the Dow right now, that uh, a lot of people are getting in there trying to make a quick buck, and and that messes it up even more. Okay, how about this? You find a psychic, have a psychic start predicting what the stock market's going to do. Yeah, you, you give her like over the course of a week, then you do sort of a mean, you know, of it, an average, and then you find out where the stock market went according to you know and how how it jived with the uh, the psychic's predictions. I'm trying to make your news more relatable and interesting to people. I, I, I think that's worthy of, uh, of a piece. I'm not saying you're uninteresting, but I'm saying as this wears on, Americans are going to need uh, bigger and brighter and shinier hooks for this. You're right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, because right now it starts to become monotonous because, you know, we say things like the credit market is starting starting to loosen up, which uh, which it is. It's uh, We're starting to see the credit flow again. Some interest rates have come down a little bit for those key overnight and then short-term loans for businesses and then, you know, the banks mm -hmm. loaning to one another.
But, you know, what does that mean to, to you and me? You know, do, do we even really feel the effects of that? Well, I hate Probably to, not. and I hate to make this comparison, but it's the only one that really comes to mind. It is sort of like coverage of any war, let's say the Iraq war, where there's the shock and awe, and then there's the, the big landing, and then we're going into Baghdad, and then, hey, we got Saddam Hussein or whatever. And there's several big events at the beginning that really get a lot of press coverage because they're sort of, you know, they're sort of thrilling in a, in a weird way. But then as it becomes just the long slog, you know, then then just people, I think, tune out because it just becomes a little drone uh, to people after some point. So yeah. I agree. And, you know, there was a time where a 50-point change in the Dow Jones Industrial Average was a big deal. Yep. And now it's like, you know, it's a, it's it's nothing. You barely blink when you see that, that much of a change at the end of the day. I would say, by the way, just the last thing, props for using the word huzzah uh, in your... Uh, in your little capsulization here, if you did that. Huzzah! Huzzah, that's a great word. Huzzah is underused. Also, I would say this, Zutalours, that's also underused. I don't know Zutalours. Huzzah, yes. I remember from uh, the movie uh, where Matthew Broderick played the colonel in charge of, uh, uh, Colonel Shaw, remember, in charge of the Civil War African-American uh, unit? Glory? Glory. Thank yeah. You. You yeah. Yeah. They used Huzzah a lot in that movie. Well, it's funny how things filter into our brains and then come out later on, isn't it? It really is odd. All right. Excellent. Have a good day, sir. We'll talk to you soon. So long, guys. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum. All right. Did you see this thing from Aaron? AM, no, 970, AM 970 should have exit stripper poles. I don't really know how we would do that, but I like your style. I think that might be kind of genius. Yes, I think so, too. I mean, is there anything... There's no shortage of strippers around here. And is there anything stopping Richie now from just going door to door now and doing exit polling? No. I mean, what if people have already voted? We're, I mean, you know, in other words, we're not reporting... Uh, results, you're just reporting exit polls. Well, now that I think about it, I don't know what the hell the difference is. What is the difference? Be well, because a result is an actual tally. A result is an actual tally given to you by the voting commission or whoever, the board of elections or whatever the hell that is, the, the actual group that is counting it. Exit polling is just a sampling of people from which you extrapolate out, you know, maybe how people voted. Mm-hmm. So this would just be that. This would just be exit polling. But so again, they just ask people how they voted, and they could say so and so, or exactly. that I want to, right? Exa yeah, exactly. It, that's the thing. Is like you think you can't. You have to be, I think, a hundred yards away, because there's that thing that says no electioneering past this point. So past that point, you can't wear buttons. You can't wear. And they've already been saying like if you go to the polls this year wearing a McCain shirt or something, like they're not gonna let you vote. You can't wear. You can't take anything into a polling place to influence anything. So I think it's the same thing. I think they stand outside that line, and as people exit the polling place, they go, hey. CNN Radio, you know, we're doing a little exit polling. Would you be comfortable telling us your vote uh, on whatever? And then people say it, and then they sort of... So this would just be that, because we have no physical polling place here. It is your home. We should just begin doing it now. Might as well. Tim, is it legal for us just to do exit polling? Like, well, now? Why not? Richie could dress as Rochelle. Hi, I'm here to... I work for CNN Radio. I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> CBS Radio. Oh, CBS. I thought, I thought you said CNN for a second. Like, why are we going to... The well, because they, because they're the ones who typically do it outside a polling place. But again, you know, there really is no polling place here. I can't think of any reason why not. What with all my law training. No, I used to do it as, as a child in New Hampshire. So could we just send Richie like wandering out on the streets? Well, like now. And it seems to me. Look, and plus, let's just be honest. There's no. Uh, you have you have the the First Amendment. You have the right freedom of speech. It is no one stopping anybody from revealing how they voted. That is a matter of uh, free speech. One may reveal that it is not classified. Mm -hmm. It's not confidential unless you choose to keep it so. Um, it is not. It is not. Uh, There's no national security issues there. 
I mean, really, it seems to me we could actually just begin doing that now. Like, literally, this, this instant today at, on the phones, we could just start saying, look, who'd you vote for? I mean, uh, granted, our, I think we might, it might be a little skewed here because, uh, I mean, because Oregon is sort of, you know, you know, like Portland is a blue city inside a red state. And, I mean, judging from the hate mail we get, left, you know, left versus right, yeah, obviously I think we lean the slightest bit progressive. But that being said, you know, and who's, then they're like angry say? people who call in and yell at you like that one dude. We're bashing like... Democrats. Yeah, whatever. Um, so I'm just saying it, that seems like a thing that, that we could be we could begin. Should we just start doing a running tally until the until Election Day? I don't know. When did the ballots go out? People got those? I got mine yesterday. I already filled it up. What? I got mine yesterday. <laughs> I already filled it up. Um, all right. Well, let me think on it. Let me put this. We'll decide that next hour. Exit polling. We could be the first in the nation. First exit polling in the nation. Rick Emerson Show, CBS Radio. Exit polling. All right. Yeah, if you've already voted, I mean, it's your right to say who you voted for or not. And maybe people want to, yeah, they want to call in and That's share it. What makes this republic the greatest force of government on earth, Sarah? All right. That's true, Rick. Let's take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley around the corner at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Bush Watch, Taser Watch, Nina Parker from TMZ, uh, Top 5 uh, Obscure Celebrity Recordings. That's my latest version of that the title, uh, and so forth. Oh, and I have a question about sitcoms. You stay there. Back after this, The Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello. Not just jackasses with microphones. <laughs> oh, we're still that, too. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, not Tim Riley, of course. No, not Tim. I'm just saying they're responsible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We are not responsible in any way. But Tim is. Really, that's a good... Actually, you know, now that I think about it, Tim, in every way of the people on this program, you are the responsible one. In terms of content, delivery... On-air statements, your financial life, being a grown-up in general. I think it's a natural progression of age. Yes. So when I'm 39, I will also be uh, responsible. You'll have four more years to go. All right. got to get cracking. i got to get cracking. It's 503-733-2970. This from Craigslist. I have eight quart jars of twice-rendered and strained bear fat for sale. Oh. It's pure white in a refrigerated state and has uh, no uh, smell at all. It has various uses, including skin conditioner, crafts, hair conditioner, and many others. $25 a quart. Sarah? I think I'll pass. Okay. Is this from the mailbag of telephone trading time? (laughs) I swear to God, it's from Portland Craigslist. There you go. We've got to buy a jar now. $25. We should buy it. We should totally and buy it. cover jar. Richie with it? Ah. Ah. Richie's always trying to, you know, improve his skin, well, his physique and stuff. Maybe maybe that's the, the secret that he's been looking maybe for. Maybe this is what the indigenous peoples knew. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, you know, maybe, this is, maybe the Indians knew something uh, that uh, we do not. Sarah. I was reading this thing about Victoria Beckham, how she smears bird poop over, all over her face. You are lying. I swear. You're making that no, up. No, I swear. She does to, to keep her appearance youthful. You know, it's not working, sister. Yeah. All right. So, um, so where does she get it? Does she lie in the park and throw breadcrumbs all over herself? Oh, no. It's a, it, it's bottled bird poo. It's very fancy. Who has to collect that? I don't I know. I do not know. Do you see that thing where Madonna sleeps in, like, $2,000 a night cream? She gets her, like, this tub of cream. It's, like, two, it's 1,000 pounds. 
and she puts it on every night. It's a, like one one jar of it or whatever every single night, and she goes through one of those a day, uh, and it's two thousand dollars. So, by the way, it it doesn't keep. Uh, did you see that great thing? I think it's about after you left it. It didn't keep Guy Ritchie from saying that. Um, what did he say? Cuddling Madonna was like cuddling a piece of gristle. Yeah. No, I thought he said having sex with Madonna was. I'm, well, now I have to go look it up. It was in the Daily Mail. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A Vancouver man is recovering after falling into a garbage chute. Now, Bob Swingle is known around his apartment complex in Coovers uh, being a take-charge guy. And he, he does things for others. He's a good Samaritan type. This time it backfired, though. He tried to unblock a garbage chute on the 10th floor. Before he knew it, he fell in. Uh. So his wife, Ginny, holds out of Bob's legs uh, for dear life as they wait for the firefighters to arrive. Take about five minutes. When they arrived, they saw half a man in the garbage. And then things got worse. Once they started to pull on his legs, his pants came off and slid down. Wait, I don't understand. Okay, so where where is he when he starts? He's in the garbage chute, head down. No, 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 but I mean, where in the building? He is on the uh, 10th floor, apparently. Of a garbage chute? Yeah. Now, is this like a residential building or yes, something? Yes, it is. It's an apartment complex. So, I, I didn't even think the they Smith, had... The Smith Tower Apartments in the coup. I didn't think they had garbage chutes anymore. Well, they do here. In like 2008? Yeah. I lived in an apartment building with garbage. Is it literally just a big tube down the middle of the building in which you dump your garbage? It's like an air shaft that leads into a oh, dump. Oh, God. Garbage. Imagine the smell inside that thing. I mean, that must just reek. I mean, because nobody ever gets in there to clean that. I mean, not, not intentionally. That must just smell like the devil's own refuse in there. All right. So, uh, so he leans in to unclog it. Yes. Falls in and gets stuck. Yes. And then they're trying to pull his, it. His wife is holding on. So the firefighters arrive. They they grab him by the pants like wrong move. No. The pants come off. Whoop, whoop. So eventually they pull him to safety and uh, he was relieved. He was treated at the hospital. He suffers from scrapes and bruises. And also the fact that he got stuck in a garbage chute and your pants came off. That is bad. There's no, that's really what he's suffering from. Let's not gild that lily, Tim. There's no getting around that. Wow. Okay. Somebody stole the Cowlitz County fisherman's prosthetic leg from his truck. That ain't right. It's uh, specially designed for Chuck who uh, lost his leg in a lumber mill accident some 21 years ago. The leg is irreplaceable. It includes a high-tech computer chip. Hmm, I wonder what that does. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the thing that helps him find his twin brother, who also is a stripper. Oh, that could be. So he leaves the leg in the truck to do some uh, fishing, as anybody would. So somebody rips off the door handles, breaks a lock in the vehicle to steal a prosthetic leg. I mean, how low can you be? Really? Well, and what is the point of that? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do with a prosthetic leg? It's probably not going to fit you. You can't sell it at a scrapyard. It's not like copper. It's not made out of metal. I mean, uh, you know, if you want to bring bludgeon... Bring Chuck's leg back. Bring Chuck... Exactly, Tim. Who can disagree? I mean, if you're going to bludgeon somebody, there's any number of things with which you could bludgeon. You have to go stealing a guy's leg. That's low. It really is. So the feds have infiltrated the Mongols. Motorcycle gang that made all kinds of arrests. 38 members of the SoCal-based Mongols have been arrested in a racketeering charge. The Oregon chapter of the Mongols ran into trouble after an accident in April when one of the members of the group tangled with the police in an unmarked car on I-5. The mad authorities called the leader of the chapter, 26-year-old Justin Delotro. Well, that young to be a leader of the motorcycle group. Well, you know, he probably, you know, got started early, put in the time, maybe skipped holidays, did, uh, you know, work around the office. So, now that all these people are arrested, the Mongols will be accepting applications. Okay, hold on. I got so many questions about this. Hold on. On a racketeering charge? Yeah. There's some joke there about, wait, there's some joke, what, what, 
What does that look? Nothing. I'm just listening because I'm preemptively thinking... angry at my joke. No, no, I'm not angry. I was trying to figure out your. That's what I always try. Try to figure out your joke before you make it. You I was, I was thinking you were doing something with Ratatouille. Oh no! See, I wasn't going to do oh, that. Okay. Yes, no, no, I wasn't I... giving you no, a not... dirty look. A- no, angry is the wrong word. But it was like one of those. Sometimes here's the thing. Sometimes we will come in and we'll start the program, and I'll say something that I think is the height of hilarity. It's not. It's not so much angry, but you will do this like rolling of the eyes, and it, the look is exactly. It's just like, oh God, it's going to be one of these days. That's it, and you know that's true. So, no, but that wasn't the look. I was just looking at you and trying to figure out what you were going to say. Okay, what's your pun? Do you have one? No, I didn't have one, but I, I kind of started it, and I'm like, how's he going to finish this? Okay, my here's my only pun, and it's not even really that good. They were busted on a racketeering charge. Yes. And then I was going to say, in related news, Warner Brothers cartoon character Yosemite Sam arrested on a rack of fretting charge. Oh. Rack, whatever. Uh, I got more to ask about that in a second, but we have a call here. I swear to God, it says there are shenanigans going on downtown. Shenanigans? Actual shenanigans. Uh, hello, hi. Well, I just have to call to counter your theory that getting older makes you more responsible and growing up more. Uh, how so? Well, this is Diana from downtown. Yes, hello, hi. And you know how grown up I am. Yes. Now, <laughs> so is this so the shenanigans are your own? Well, no, the shenanigans are, are I think, from Tim. I don't understand what we're talking about. <laughs> Tim, explain your shenanigans right now. I have no idea. I don't know the woman personally. Yes, yes, you, you do. Yes, I've met her like a thousand times. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize sorry. for Tim. <laughs> it, it happens when you get older, you forget. Tim's 39. He can't be expected to remember things forever. Oh, that's just sad. But, but okay. come on, it's not like you get more solid and more you know stable as you get older. So you, you don't necessarily people do get to. more solid physically. I think you, you, <laughs> you, you, so, you. so you are saying once you are in a state of just uh, retarded adolescence, uh, you don't really grow much beyond that. You sort of stay there forever. You can, well, you, if you're lucky, you do. All right. Well, let's all make that our goal then. <laughs> all right. Have all a great right. Day. Excellent. All right. I I apologize for Tim's hateful nature. Well, that is his nature. <laughs> what are we going to do? He's Lithuanian. That's what I'm. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Bye, Diana. And we're done. Well, she has a good memory. Yeah, it's true. Uh, long memory. Kill you with a Q-tip, man. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tim. You know, she used to beat confessions Hello. out of people in the Soviet Union, I think. Hmm. Hi, what's up? First, I'd like to say, uh, I think Richie was coming on to me as I was telling him what I want to talk about. And uh, first, How? I'd like to be the first well, what, tr- what is your evidence? I mean, what, what indicated that to you? What, I'm not saying it's not true. It probably is. What were the symptoms of that? Uh, he was just kind of getting a little smooth, kind of exit polling. Yeah, that sounds kind of good. When he... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, there's a, there's a pun there that is really, really great that I won't make, though, There's a, because uh, I don't wish to work blue. There's a, great, there's a great pun with exit polling that I can't... It just involves reversing those two words. Uh, was he doing the thing where he dropped the, uh, the voice an octave like, hey, this is Sean. Hey, Sean. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, how, how nice for you. Uh, what is your thoughts, sir? Uh, I got my ballot on Saturday and got it in the mail yesterday, and I'd like to be the first to uh, contribute to your exit polling. All right, then. Wait, hold on. Let me turn to a brand-new piece of paper in my legal pad. I think this is the last piece of paper in my legal pad before I get to get a new one. That's always a, that's always a stressful thing. Do you have thing. a crazy, like, storage shed full of those legal pads? I take my legal pads very seriously. and I, have I know a whole... you do. It's, a, it's your entire matrix. Yeah, and, no, and, and then uh, I keep the matrix from every day's show, and I put it face down in the bottom of the legal pad. I don't throw it away. I put it face down there. Uh, and then when the entire legal pad is used, then and only then do I tuck them all in neatly and throw the whole thing away at once. Should we have a sounder when somebody exit pulls, like perhaps like the ping from the drinking game or something? Find that. Hold on. Um, one, one second here. Uh, sorry to be taking up your time. So just one moment. Um, you mean this? This would be our. 
That'll be our exit polling. Now, that is for our debate drinking game. Do you want to just use that, repurpose it for this? I would think so. What do you think, Tim? Tim, do you have a better yes, sounder? Like Any suggestions? I like that this sounder. Work? I like that. It's right. pleasant. So this will be our uh, exit polling. Okay, so uh, it, utilizing your freedom of speech as guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America, our fair republic, you, sir, wish to kick off the Rick Emerson Show's exit polling, the first exit polling anywhere in Portland, Oregon. Go ahead, sir. I am a registered Republican, but I did vote for Obama Biden. All right, Obama. Wait, I'm just made two. Uh, okay, and, uh, and then I'll make. Have the, haven't had the time to re-register yet. All right, and then I'll uh, and then I'm going to have a smaller uh, because obviously that's the big that's the big race this year. You know, the big the big the top of the ticket, as they say, the heavyweight bout. So, and then we've down here we've got hot dog eating Jeff Merkley. Gordon Smith. So, uh, but, but, but we'll just, well, I think we'll keep it probably for now to the presidency just because it could be too difficult to track. So you are a registered Republican, but you did go for uh, for Obama. Yes. All right. So there you go. There's our uh, there's our first first bit of exit polling data. Thank you, sir. Best show ever. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Is that guy? All right. Should we take them via email or should we require them to call? People are emailing, but I don't know. Should we should we ask for the, for them to call instead? Probably be easier to just call. All right. So, uh, all right. So, but I'm going to read this one via email, and then that's it. From now on, you got to call. Uh, let's see. Where did it go? We have here. This is from uh, Kathy. Kathy says, "I voted for Obama and all of his minions." All right. There you go. Two. All right. There you go. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. On a Gresham comes word, police arrested six men after putting down a fight involving more than 20 men at a Gresham Community Center. There were more than 100 people inside the GSI community center when police responded Saturday night. The officers started breaking up the fight. The, the uh, bystanders turned against them. One officer reported getting punched in the face during the riot. Others say they were hit by men swinging leather belts and buckles. Wait, so where was this at? Gresham. Gresham. I mean, in Gresham, of course. A well, large course. cake with decorative marbles spilled to the floor. A large cake with decorative marbles? Mm-hmm. Who decorates the cake with... kind of dangerous. Look, I know times is hard, but I mean, decorating your cake with marbles... Well, that's just stupid. It's like decorating your cake with band-aids. That doesn't make any sense at all. Marbles aren't for de- marbles aren't for decoration on a cake, sir. In Gresham, they are. I guess. All right. Well, and I don't think they were talking about the little ball bearing things. We had a whole discussion about those one day. These sounds like actual marbles. Uh huh. So, how did the riot start? Uh, police were called because apparently, uh, let's see, there were assaults, thefts, loud music, vandalism, drunken individuals, vandalism to area vehicles. It's the best party ever. All right. Those arrested were aged 25 to 40. Uh, there were cuts, scrapes, and bruises. Uh, one officer was punched in the face during the riot. And they did begin attacking uh, innocent bystanders. They were hit by men swinging leather belts and buckles. All right. So I guess that's, that's reason to uh, call it the riot squad. Uh, so, like, we've got... Uh, is there an actual riot squad? I guess so. Is that like the... I wonder if that had been... I thought they had been replaced by, like, the CERT team or whatever the hell that is. Uh, All right. Whatever. Here's Tim Riley. So, we have this uh, man accused of causing a two-vehicle crash that killed four people on I-84 over the weekend. He pled not guilty to charges of manslaughter and driving under the influence. The westbound pickup, driven by John Carlgren of Carlton, hit the back of a car driven by a 29-year-old of Hermiston. Uh, the person in that car and three passengers died. The records show that this guy had his license suspended in 1991. It was revoked in 93 because of alcohol-related arrests. His driving privileges were reinstated in 1998, big mistake. He was described in court records as a habitual drunk driver and was cited for drunk driving again in 1990, 1991, 1993. 
His rap sheet also showed he had assaulted a police officer in 1995 and was cited for speeding in 2005, as well as last month. Uh, so he was out? Why? No, his driving privileges are reinstated. But, I mean, and he uh, he is a habitual drunk driver. Several times, and did you say was beating a cop? Uh, let's see, no. no. He, he was. Uh, I thought you said he was uh, convicted of, of assaulting a police uh, officer. Let me see here. Yes, he assaulted a police officer in 1995. And was cited for speeding in 2005. How many bites at the apple does one get in this uh, unique country of ours? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, all right. So see now we're getting. So now we're getting uh, the votes via email, and I feel like we ought to hold it to the phone. I uh, for this. I mean, but I don't know. Am I being now? Am I being discriminatory for people who are not able to get to the phone? Maybe they're working. I don't know. We it should... seems like it might be cleaner to keep it just to the phone. I don't know. I there's just, no way you'll be able to get to all of your emails, and like half of your emails go into your junk box. Well, that's true, but I mean, I wouldn't have to read them all on the air. In other words, you just want to keep the tally yourself. I guess what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, in other words, at the end of the day, or in the morning, you know, because why I've talked about how I, you know, I've become more conscious of answering my email ever since Henry Rollins <laughs> responded to my wife in like nine minutes. Um, uh, so I've made a point of coming in every morning, almost every morning, every morning that I can anyway. And spending like a good hour just just trying to get my email answered. So I could certainly check my email in the morning, put those down on the running tally. Because otherwise people are going to say, well, look, I got a job. I can't be calling from work. I can email, but I can't always call. I'm a delivery driver. I'm in and out. Maybe it's a company phone. They monitor your phone usage. I think it may be a fair point. Yeah, if you, if you want to take that upon yourself with their email, do it. I will take it upon myself. Um, all right, so here we go. So we've got now our first vote from McCain Palin. Um I'll just go with first names on this. Uh, so we will just, uh, unless you tell me you don't want your name used at all. So this is uh, a guy named uh, Ed. Ed says, I voted for McCain-Palin. All right, so there, there we go. Ed. Ed. Exit polling underway. Here's Tim Riley. All right, so we're done with that one. Now we're going to talk about this uh, driver who twice exposed himself to a toll booth attendant. Dateline, Florida. A 39-year-old Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Wrong sounder. Where would you even find that? Okay. Here's Tim Riley. A 39-year-old Orlando man was arrested after twice exposing his genitals to the same toll booth attendant. Michael McDonald faces two counts of exposure. Michael McDonald? Yeah, Michael McDonald. I'm going to show you my penis. He faces two counts of exposure to sexual organs. That was a stretch, but I wasn't used. Michael McDonald! I know. A driver pulled up to a toll booth on October 9th at 2.30 p.m. <laughs> and had his pants pulled down to his knees, exposing his genitals to a woman working at the toll booth. Good my groin. The worker said the same man drove through the same toll booth on Wednesday at 3.30 a.m. as she was uh, giving him change. Well, you got to try to get the whole, uh, you know, uh, the whole shift there. She noticed he was exposing more than his coins. <laughs> the Were they ro- was it a roll of coins? <laughs> <laughs> a woman Half gave dollars, a, a description of the man and his vehicle to authorities. Uh-huh. McDonald has been booked in Seminole County Jail. Only $5,000 to expose yourself to a toll booth lady, though. That's not too bad. Oh, by the way, okay, so we had Ed who reported that he voted for McCain-Palin. Here's another email from Ed. Ed, I did, uh, Ed says, I did not vote McCain-Palin. I'm at work, and the dick in the cubicle next to me listens to your show on his laptop. He knew I was at the copier, so he got on my email and lied on my behalf. That is great. Well done, Ed's co-worker. All right, so take it off. Oh, i got to take it off. So Ed's co-worker jumped on his email and voted for McCain-Palin on Ed's behalf. That's great. I love this country. All right, here's Tim Riley. 
Another Florida story. A, a woman is a stupid. I don't even. I'm, no, I wasn't even in it. wasn't even in it. A woman is. A woman decided to go to jail rather than pay her bill at a Waffle House. She went to jail over seven dollars forty-five cents. According to police records, Marianne O'Neill ordered coffee and a sandwich at the Waffle House, but refused to pay the bill. The report said an officer asked her to pay or go to jail, and she refused. She's been released from St. Lucie County Jail, charged with obtaining food or lodging with intent to defraud, which is a second-degree misdemeanor. If convicted, uh, she faces a couple of years in jail. So she just what? So she went to the Waffle House and was like, I'm not paying. I'm not paying. Whatever. And so now she's going to jail? Yes, she is. Well, that works out. Uh, let's see. I saw a picture of her, by the way. It's the same time I'm thinking of. She looks like a crank. Uh, let's see. Um, all right, this guy. Here's and here's what we'll do is I'm gonna uh, write down a few more of these, and then I think we're gonna have to hold this on the show to to it every now and again thing. I can already see that this is gonna grow out of control. This insta polling thing or the uh, the exit polling. I can, I can already see that it's just it's gonna become a whole deal. Um, and we should also, by the way, tell people don't lie. When you lie, it makes the baby Jesus weep uncontrollably and then wet himself. So you don't want to do that. So you gotta be uh, you gotta be upfront and honest about these things. All right. Uh, we are doing exit poll. We'll do these. I think these are both exit poll. We're going to do these two, and then we're not going to take any more calls on it for now. We're going to have to figure out like a specific segment, like maybe five minutes per hour or two minutes an hour. That sounds bad. Like every hour, we'll do like two minutes of exit polls about how you voted. And only don't don't call more than once about it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. You know that Richie says that he's dating a gymnast? Really? Did he? T- First of all, did he offer that information, or did you ask? He offered that information. He, uh, yeah, he said. Rick Emerson showing on dating a gymnast. Well, no, he was talking about exit polling, and then he, and then he started laughing like Krusty the Clown, and then he said, "Yeah, nice gymnast polling," and then he said, "I'm dating a gymnast." Yes, and then he, he said, "Please hold." That's right. why Richie said he's trying to get into shape because he wants to. Look, he doesn't want to crush his new gymnast friend. You mean, you mean crusher, like, like literally like, crusher? Like, literally crusher. Like, I can't breathe, crusher. Yes, and Richie's, yeah, Richie's already um, had relations with said. Oh, gym. God. All right, well, let's bring him in later to talk about that. Not now. This sounds right. exciting. All right. Hello, sir. How can I help you today? Hey, I just want to let you know that I did, in fact, vote for the Obama Payton. Or Obama Biden. Sorry. All right. Uh, Obama Biden. There we go. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Um, hey. One other thing, yeah. real quick. I'm yeah. actually going to say this. I'm not going to hang up, but can you guys please make people stop saying, hey, one more thing, da-da-da, and then <laughs> hang up. I mean, it's driving me freaking batty over here. I'm not even joking. I was up half the night rolling around listening, and, and all I could hear was that crap. And it was it was clever like the first time, maybe the second or third time. Jesus Christ, so, it's annoying the heck out of me, man. So interesting, you're trying to sleep, but you can't because in your head all you hear is the, Rick, I have one more thing. Click, Rick, I have Dude, one more voice thing. voice after voice. Yeah, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I, was, I was rolling around last night. It was driving me up the wall. That's I couldn't wonderful. stop thinking about it. Excellent. All right, well, uh, I don't really know. Here's the thing. I'm not really sure that we can enforce it only because what we would normally do is we would hang up on people, but you see my problem. Yes. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll put it out there. We'll see if people obey. They usually one, don't, but we'll see. One more. I mean, yes, it is you, and please <laughs> stop. Just stop. Excellent. Hey, stop. Excellent. Stop. Well done. Thank you, have sir. A good, have a good one. You as well. I like him. He's spunky. I, I like that guy. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good day. Uh, here on KCMD Portland. Thank you, sir. Um, hey, two suggestions for the exit polling. Uh, is it not possible to put a thing on uh, the rickemerson.com, a little uh, click here for this and click here for that, and then 
You can go to rickemerson.com if you can't get there on the telephone. I don't understand what you're asking. Who understands what he's asking? Like, what? like you go to rickemerson.com, right. and you have the uh, poll online, so you could click one or whatever. You know how they have the little vote here, who's hotter, Jessica right, Alba, yes. or okay. just yes. you know what I'm saying? Yes. So then you could go to rickemerson.com, and it would tally it there. So just, for the people who uh, are web active during the day and maybe not phone active, they could go there and do that. Okay, so you're saying at rickemerson.com or perhaps the station site, we should just put up an online poll like we did for the zombie name thing. Yeah, I mean, that would be, that All seems right. like a very accessible way for the people out there. All and right, no, and we can, the honor system. and we might be able to limit it to one, you know, one vote for IP address or something like that, too. So That might be good. All and right. then the second is, um, a while back, maybe 10 years on the AM radio there, there used to be like a, um, you could talk for 20 seconds or 30 seconds, and they would just take these, you know, just calls, just bam, 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 right. and people would, you know, whatever. You could do that like the last five minutes of whatever hour and just, just hit them, you know. Who'd you vote for? Who'd you vote so for? Complicated. Who'd you vote for? Just, well, we, you know? well, I think we may, especially as we get closer to the election, because I think you said, Timmy, you said your ballot just arrived yesterday. Yes. So that probably is the case for maybe half the city. You figure the other half arrives today. You figure half the people open it. Half of them probably vote right away, and the others do it over the next few days. Mm-hmm. So as as the days go on, I think we'll, what we'll do is we might block out like 60 seconds at the end of each hour to do an exit poll. So, yeah, yeah that, we'll probably do something like that, sir. Well, yeah, that'd be good. And as far as that other guy, I just wanted to say one more thing. <laughs> okay. Hi, right, Tim. You know, I, I was, <laughs> we could afford to buy everyone in that small town of Halsey the book of bunny suicides because I'm on amazon.com and they're only a dollar 80 really now is that a, is that a bid new. or is it like an actual you, you can get, buy it there are 33 new available for a dollar 80 31 used from a dollar 87 so you can actually buy let's see well, can what, what if we used one. what if we collected them here uh-huh. and then uh how far away is this place from All Oregon right. like an hour oh uh, two Two, two hours? Two and a half. Itself, is it around a town that I'd want to spend any time in? Corvallis, I believe. Uh, I've never been. Yes. Have I been to Corvallis? I've driven through Corvallis. I don't think I've stayed there for any period of time. Uh, in other words, I don't I'm think anybody get gas. I probably don't want to, That's what I'm saying. I don't want to go hang out in Halsey for a weekend. No. But I guess my question is, if we collected these books, mm-hmm. could I then... Would it be worth it, do you think, to drive there to deliver them to the to the to the school library? And then, like, I would be hanging out, you know, it would, then I, while I'm there, I could go to some better city. <laughs> you think? I mean, some better place. There's really nothing better south of here until you get to San Francisco. Because, you know, if we send them there, it's just going to be a big pain. Unless people go directly to Amazon or Powell's, probably, because you can do it at Powell's. Oh, you can do it at Powell's. Powell's Books, Cedar Hills Crossing. Mm -hmm. You could do it there. But then maybe, you know, send it directly from the Powell's website to the high school. Right. And then if you can attach a note, be like the Rick Emerson Show, you know, sends its regards. All right. I'll have to look into that later. All right. I might actually get Dan from Powell's on later to, to ask him uh, about that. So, all right. Because then you could go there and, yeah, probably find it like two bucks, send it right to the school. Yeah. All right. By the way, uh, don't forget, at 1 o'clock today, uh, we're going to be um, we're going to be talking to uh, Deborah from the American Library Association. Library. I know. You keep saying it. Now. I'm going to say starting... it to her. And if I say it to her, I'll have to kill myself. I'm, I know. I'm starting to say library, too, as a no. joke. Oh, there's a sequel, Return of the Bunny Suicides. Really? Is that where the bunny's ghost comes back? I guess and, so. Um, so we'll talk to Deborah from the American Library Association at 1 o'clock to get her thoughts on the Taffy Anderson, who apparently was on the news last night. I Now, I'm just going to read this email, and then we'll do one more story, and then we'll break. 
Uh, I'm just going to read this. I, I have no uh, no knowledge that this is true. I'm simply reading this email. Rick, I just saw Taffy Anderson on Fox 12 News being interviewed about the bunny suicide. So this is a woman, long story short, she lives in Halsey, Oregon. And she's taken this book from the high school library where her son goes, uh, announced that she's going to burn it, and that if anybody replaces the book, she'll steal that one too and presumably burn it as well. What, so, what if we spray paint them with something that's fireproof? Like asbestos or some, yes. something that doesn't give you cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, um, the best part was, and again, I have only his word that this is true. The best part was, how do I put this? I, can't, I won't read his description of her, but I will say that um, he does comment that in many ways she seems to come from the same social demographic as Tanya Harding. Let's put it that way. Okay. That is my. That's all how I'll put this. He describes Taffy Anderson as coming from the same general social strata as someone like Tanya Harding. Anyway, he says the best part is, I'm reading this directly for the email, she was being interviewed in a liquor store in front of the schnapps section to boot. Apparently she doesn't need none of that, none of that book learning. Oh, Taffy. That's beautiful. All right. Tim, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with these many, many phone calls we have. Okay. Just ahead of Halloween, kids at uh, one school had the scare of their life. School officials in Shelbyville, Illinois, have closed down the old middle school after an infestation of bats. Classes had to be canceled for the rest of the week. Crews had to clear out and clean up after 500 bats took up residence at the school. The bats have caused a stink in a half dozen classrooms. Could be a health hazard, too. Nobody's bitten by the bats yet. These are colonial bats, but the school's principal is willing uh, not to take any chances. Shelby's other schools are open as usual. They are bat-free. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Still to come, uh, Bush Watch, Taser Watch, Nina Parker from TMZ, Deborah from the American Library Association, uh, later on the top five, and uh, more. So there's the Rick Emerson radio program. We return after this. Here's Meatloaf. 70, The Talker. By the way, Richie told me we have uh, tickets to Against Me that we're going to be giving I away. I know, and Ted Leo. It is going to be the greatest night of my life. Just let you know. Uh, against Me, Ted Leo and the Pharmacists, and Future of the Left. Coming to the Roseland, Saturday, October 25th. I don't understand what any of this is about. It's oh, music, Tim. It's oh, okay. beautiful, beautiful the, music. The finger-snapping young sound of today. I have to say, well, Against Me has been one of my favorite bands ever. Ted Leo is one of the greatest live shows I have ever, ever seen. You always tell me to go see him, and then I don't. He's amazing. He is he is so gifted, and both lyrically and musically, and the way he plays his instruments, and, and his singing voice is very unique, and he just puts on an amazing show. That's all I'm going to say about that. So we have tickets to that show, Against Me and Ted Lee and the Pharmacist, uh, that we'll be giving away. When is the show? The 25th? Yeah, when this is Saturday. That? This Saturday? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to do that sometime this week. Uh, and then in November, November 4th. No, but for... I cannot I'm, believe that the day after the election is going to be the 5th of November. Oh hey, there you go. I didn't forget. I, and then I, that's totally I'm, that. I'm going on vacation after that. Well, let's uh, let's back up for a second. Friday. What, what I'm talking about, and then we'll back up. Uh, Friday, November 14th, 
I can announce this now. Friday, November 14th, in, joining us in studio, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. First time we've had him on the show twice on the phone. Uh, one of my very favorite music performers of all time. All time, all time. One of the best live performers I've ever seen in my life. So I am about him the way I think you are about Ted Leo, um, who I really do want to see. So maybe I'll go this Saturday. Because um, I really, I really, you really should. I mean, I think it's pretty close to being sold out too. Because that bill, when I heard that bill, my head almost exploded. Like my two favorite bands playing together, it's just ridiculous. So we're going to be giving away tickets to that that show Saturday, and then on November 14th, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will be here in studio. We have tickets to that. We're going to be giving away. Uh, but that has nothing on this Tuesday, November 4th, two weeks from tonight. Uh, at Grand Central Bowl on 8th and Morrison in beautiful southeast Portland, in conjunction with the Oregon Bus Project and the Willamette Week, uh, we, AM970, and this the Rick Emerson Show, we're going to be there for the Rick Emerson Show's political party. Two weeks from tonight, 7 p.m., Grand We've Central Bowl. No, it's, you know, and I I'm think, really excited. I have to tell you, I suspect that there's a lot of uh, election-watching or result-watching parties happening or planned around the country. I, I would imagine that. Here's the other thing. It's very adult. You know what I? You know what else I bet is already being planned? What's that? And if not, look, party planners, I'm looking at you. I bet that there are pl- parties being planned for January 20th, which is George Bush's last day in office. Oh, yeah. I would imagine that there's a whole lot of soirees, throwdowns going to be happening the day that George Bush leaves uh, the presidency. I'm just saying as an American, that's my view on the situation. Um, yeah, so two weeks from uh, tonight, wow. 7 p.m., Grand Central Bowl, Rick Emerson shows political party. Uh, featuring a live uh, series of updates and broadcasts by news director Tim Riley, who will be broadcasting all across our fair state on this station and via the CNN radio network. Big time. Uh, our sponsors, Taboo Adult Video and Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, helping us put that together. And again, our good friends at the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. So that is uh, two weeks from tonight. Make a, a note of it. Rick Emerson's political party. Uh, coming up two Tuesdays from tonight. Wow. We have a lot more friends than we used to. It's true, Tim. Uh, you know, we're uh, we're now the fast crowd that your mother, uh, you know, warned them not to associate the cool with. cool kid. That's, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, a quick uh, suggestion for disseminating copies of the Bunny Suicides in Halsey. Yes. Uh, there must be a pilot uh, listener somewhere in the audience, whether it's a helicopter or a small small plane, that could just disseminate them like leaflets over Fallujah and just drop airdrop them. Now, let's think this through. What could possibly go wrong with having a guy drop books from a plane onto a town? I don't know. I hadn't thought that far. <laughs> what if they were attached to turkeys? There's no bricks. What if we just taped them to the side of a, of a barrel filled with cement and kicked it out the door? How big are the books? I mean, for a buck eighty, I figured they're like a, like a comic book, you know? Well, maybe that's a loss leader. I don't know. To be fair, I don't really know. Uh, it seems like dropping a book from an airplane onto people below is probably an exercise in foolishness. But I, you know, but that being said, sir, I'll, I'll look into it. Maybe the book is thin enough that it would sort of flutter gracefully like a, like a bird. That's exactly what I was thinking, like a leaflet. Yeah. But anyway, but, All right. you know, there you go. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You know, we have a lot of news today that seems to be all about Sarah Palin. So we're going to interweave it all because there's just so much of it. Well, you know, and after November 4th, I don't think we're going to be able to use this. So maybe I should just start using these ad hoc Palin watches. Can I tell you, I... I should I miss them? We've only played them that one time. Well, because, you know, and I never... Remember when I used to get off my ass at work? Remember when I used to do stuff and not have the audience do it for me? Which version of the show was that? A long time ago, Tim. Uh, you know, a lot of the watches we have, I made myself. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying... Yeah, let me put it this way. I think early on, I did all the watches myself because I wanted people to sort of really get, you know, what we were talking about. But then the audience grokked it really quickly, and they started doing the, the watches themselves. For example, uh, the Darwin watch, which is the Homer Simpson, and another one bites the dust. 
Um, I did that myself. I am not, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying I made that one my own self. But then the Geek Watch, which really is one of the best watches we have. That I and I apologize. I don't even know who. Some listener, some guy, and I forget his name. A listener did the Geek Watch theme. So it's anyway. Oh, there's been a contest for that, right? I think so, but I forget who his name actually was. But a, yeah, a listener created the Geek Watch theme. I did the Darwin Watch theme. I did the you know some of the others that are basically just song elements like the people who died. Tim you know, did the, the Monkey Watch. Watch. Tim did the Monkey Watch theme. But I had this this great uh, idea for a Palin Watch theme, and then I just I you know frankly I just slacked. I just never got off my ass. Here's what it was. It was gonna be. Don't you think about this? It was gonna be shiny happy people. Then littered with a bunch of her dumb sound bites. You know, what do you read? All of them? Or, you know, whatever. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. But it was going to be, you know, I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Shiny, happy people holding hands. I read all of them. I can see Russia from my house. Well, you know now you have to do it. But see, now there's almost no point. Oh, you still, there's, there's still, still a good There's two still weeks. two weeks to go. Yeah, there's going to be lots of madness happening. Right. Because what's going to happen is... You know, John McCain is going to take a long nap within the next couple of days and wake up after the election, and she is going to be the sole campaigner. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, okay, so um, let's see here. And when you say a nap, you mean an actual nap? Yes, an actual nap. Okay, I don't know if you're being uh, figurative about no, something. No, 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 no. Uh, all right, well, let me just use one of good health. We'll use one of these then, and then we'll do with some Sarah Palin news, and then uh, more uh, more phone calls here. I'm just just take a woman, and I'm a woman, and I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. I had five children. She has five. Sisters doing it for themselves, Sarah. I barely knew one. Yeah, I really have to make one. From Alaska. There was that honeymoon period where it looked like she could do no wrong. From Alaska. From Alaska. I barely knew her. Sisters doing it for themselves, Sarah. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and I'm a hockey mom. I had five children. I barely knew her. Uh-huh. Genius. Yeah, I gotta make one. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, so we begin with this, and and this all winds together eventually. Senator Joe Biden is warning Americans to be prepared for an international crisis after the election. The Democratic vice presidential nominee did so while speaking at a weekend fundraiser close by in Seattle. Mark my words. It will not be six months before the world gets Barack Obama like they did John Kennedy. Watch. We're going to have an international crisis. A generated crisis. That's the middle of this guy. Well, Why was there no microphone? I was just going to say, it's 2008. You realize Neil Armstrong stood on the surface of the moon, which is 250,000 miles away or some such, and spoke, and we could all hear it better than that soundbite. They were in the same room as Joe Biden. It's in Seattle, the home of Microsoft. <laughs> I mean, why are the why do we have so many soundbites, Tim, that are bad? And no, I'm not blaming you. You, you, you know, do one better than the source material. Why are so many of our soundbites just plain goddamn inaudible? They send someone out with some old dictaphone. Jesus. Record these things. I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, well, that seems like a weird thing for Joe Biden to say. That guy has, like, got foot and mouth disease. Yeah, he's pretty crazy. I mean, that seems like a, even if he believes it's true, you don't say that. You don't say, and this is Joe Biden, by the way, who said this. You don't say, if Barack Obama is elected, there will be an international crisis soon to test him. What? Why would you ever say that? A, because it sounds nutty. It makes you sound like a conspiracy in that case. It makes you say, I mean, really, it does. And secondly, I mean, look, this election is still within five. I mean, look, even if you believe the poll that puts him the most up front, it's within eight points. Margin of error plus four. That means it puts it theoretically within four points. Why would you ever want to scare like the great unwashed middle American goofball by saying, if Barack Obama is elected, there's going to be some sort of an incident, which the average retard hears and thinks terrorism. So Terrorism. Yeah, they gotta get they gotta get a muzzle on him and Sarah Palin both. Well, I, I, I think they feel it's it's only Joe Biden. I guess, but 
The vice presidential candidates used to have some sort of sense of decor. They didn't used to just go out there and just, they just, they cause, they just trouble all the time. I mean, unless you were Dan Quayle. Mm-hmm. All right, well, whatever. So here's McCain's uh, comments on that. We don't want a president who invites testing from the world at a time when our economy is in crisis and Americans are already fighting in two wars. Uh-huh. So anyway, in comes uh, Sarah Palin. She's in uh, Reno. Is she ride in on a, does she ride in on a horse? Well, as a matter of fact, save the day. Yeah. Because you, you brought that up. She's uh, riding in Grand Junction, Colorado, and a group of protesters make a risky move to try to stop her motorcade. <laughs> I guess it didn't work. What the hell? <laughs> Jesus. Were those Grand people? Junction, Colorado. I, I couldn't tell either. I was like, are those sirens people? or protesters? I couldn't quite figure it out. Uh, about a dozen protesters ran into the street directly in the path of the motorcade. The medic- motorcade was able to drive around them, and police officers tackled... Oh, and them. then police go in and they break your bones. Well, they did. Break your bones Nobody and beat your ass. No, no. Jump in front of... Even I know not to do that, and I'm not that bright. You can jump in front of a... Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll kill you. So, thanks for the warning, Joe, says uh, Sarah Palin, after hearing those remarks from Joe Biden. He told his Democrat donors to mark his words, it will happen, that there were at least four or five scenarios that would place our country at risk in an Obama administration. I guess you got to say, well, thanks for the warning, Joe. There's a little microphone with a hum, which is an improvement over what Joe Biden has. Yes, it is. So Sarah Palin says... They're going to take your money and redistribute it. Imagine that. Senator Obama finally says he wants to spread the wealth, which, again, means government taking your money and doling it out however a politician sees fit. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's a good thing she's not a politician. (laughs) It's a good thing she's not currently holding electorate office anywhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I hate people. All right. Yet her base has no knowledge of government doling out money in the past couple of weeks. No, I will say she looked amazingly at ease on SNL, though. I mean, that's the, that is the thing that if you're if you are a Republican, you got to be really excited about the fact she was as good as Tina Fey. Oh, she functions if not better. Yeah, I, I would almost say better. I mean, now I grant now it's a little bit of an unfair comparison because Sarah Palin only had, she had a very small amount of actual speaking time. Right. She got behind the podium and she said, "I'm not going to take any questions." And da 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 live from New York. Saturday night, and then on the weekend update, she basically was just kind of doing they were doing the raise on the roof thing. So Tina Fey obviously had more to deliver, but then again, that's an environment in which Tina Fey is used to functioning. Mm-hmm. Tina Fey is an SNL veteran. If you are on the if you're on the right, you really have to be excited about how well Sarah Palin functions on TV. Now I know she was a sportscaster; she was on the uh, television for a while professionally. Mm-hmm. Because John McCain just doesn't ever seem like he knows what he's doing. And frankly, Joe Biden doesn't either. Joe Biden just stammers and stumbles and transposes words. Doesn't really seem like he knows where he is about he half the time. He looks like a politician, and that's about it. Yeah, Joe Biden just seems like some, you know, pale white guy in a gray flannel suit. I mean, he just seems very dull. Barack Obama is electrifying to a certain degree, a lot of energy. But I would say of the four of them, I mean, let's let's rank them right now from best to worst, simply in terms of how they present themselves and convey themselves on television. I'm saying for me, yeah, in other words, not whether you agree with them or whether they're smart, uh, because those are obviously very different things. But in terms of how they function and the smoothness with which they function on television, best to worst. Tim? Best? I'm saying who do you think is the best of the four? I'm saying for me, it's it's, it's very close between Palin and Obama, but he, maybe because we've seen him a little bit more. Right. We tend to rank him above Palin, but she's close. I would say it's Obama by a nose only. I yeah. mean, she's very good in the right kind of setting. 
Uh, like that Katie Couric thing was just a disaster. But when she's in some place where she can just do talking points mm-hmm. or when she just recite a stump speech, she's fantastic. Uh, and followed by by Biden, his big, his big problem is just that he's dull. You know, he just seems like more of the same. You know where Biden was good? He used to be great when he was a guest on Imus. Mm-hmm. And it, he was great in the primaries, too. Mm-hmm. He was great in the primaries when he was when it looked like it was just uh, between him and Hillary for a while. He was really exceptional. I think he functions best in a sort of combative atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And when they try to rein him in for the debates to try to keep him very moderate, I think that's when he just turns into like the incredible stutter machine. Uh, and then, of course, McCain is just, uh, however bright he may be, McCain should be kept away from television cameras. They should not allow him uh, near anything that has any sort of a red light on top of it, because that ends badly for him. All right, here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. Sarah Palin says she supports a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage. A break with John McCain, who has said he believes states should uh, help define what marriage is. She did an interview with the Christian Broadcasting Network. The Alaska governor said she had voted in 1998 for a state amendment banning same-sex marriage and hoped to see a federal ban for such unions. So she's broken with him on a few occasions. Uh, Let's see. Palin's disagreements don't appear to be part of a larger strategy, so political insiders have started asking whether Palin is simply undisciplined or is it intentionally ignoring the playbook. Maybe she needs a spanking, Tim. Uh, someday... I'm just saying, uh, you know, if you can't get through to her any other way. I know that sounded creepy. Now, oh. she's undisciplined, Tim, and what do you do with the undisciplined? Spankings all around. That's what I'm saying. All right, well, I'm not... Maybe I should that. spend less time watching that Sarah Palin porn film that Larry Flint yeah, made. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Did you watch it again? Uh, no, but there's now little bits of it that have been leaked onto the Internet, and, like, the first minute, which is... I mean, Wait, it, is it the same as the script that we read that one day? It is. It is exactly the oh, same as the script that TMZ has. Yeah, where the oh, two Russian genius. guys at the door are like, we need to warm up, you know, or whatever. And she says, um... I don't know. She, she, I can see you all from my house, or whatever she said, <laughs> like some retarded thing. Um, but then I, there's some really crude, like hilarious sexual double entendre that they used. To... Oh no! Do you still have the script? That I don't. Genius. I had just a little. Here's a little behind the scenes thing. Actually, let me walk to the. Uh, let me walk to the refrigerator and get get uh, Maviso, and then we'll continue. Ooh. So I had printed out like the first seven pages of the Nail and Palin porn film. And we, when uh, Storm and Byron were on the show to talk about Canada's Gone Wild, Sarah and I had this great idea. I'm like, well, have Storm and Byron act out the porn film, <laughs> which seemed really smart and funny at about 10.30 in the morning, I think before I had any coffee. And then as I'm standing in the studio with Storm and Byron next to me, you get what the LDS church calls the still small voice going, this is a really bad yeah. idea. This is a phenomenally, astoundingly bad idea, Rick And with the two mouths between the two of them, God love them. And both. I'd already had but the I mean, dump storm already, once. Yeah, we only four dumps. It's like, oh, that's not going to Yeah, happen. so we just pulled the ripcord on that. But uh, anyway, so it's it's pretty funny. And there's it, it, it has production values that are somewhere between really low and cable access. I mean, granted, it's from Hustler, which is sort of a gold standard in many ways. But it really is just this, like, quickie, no, 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 no pun intended, this quickie porn film that they just rushed out to capitalize on the Sarah Palin thing. So... There's these really terrible special effects when she looks outside and one of their tanks is supposed to be on fire. And it's like this crudely animated, like, cartoon flame just sort of moving back and forth. Anyway, so. Uh, but it, but anyway, back to the back to the, the spanking comment. So it doesn't really seem like they can control her, though. She does seem to have either, either she just does whatever she wants to do and disregards what John McCain's campaign probably wants. Because she's just constantly contradicting him in public. Or B... They're doing some weird passive thing where they're trying to show 
that they're both mavericks. And look, here's the proof. She even has differences with the guy on the top of the ticket. Look how, look how maverick they both are. Or C, and this is the one I come back to over and over again. C, they've just figured out that McCain is toast. And whoever it is that controls her, like her people, the people around her, are just telling her to do everything she can to establish her own brand, like for 2012, you know, or whatever. So, those are my thoughts. You're listening to KCMD Portland. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Is this, hello, is this, is this Dave Zinn or Andy the Homeschool Kid? Andy the Homeschool Kid. I really you sounded like a Dave lot did. like Dave Zinn there when you said hello. Okay. Right. How can I help you, sir? Um, I wanted to... Talk to you about the Taffy Anderson, which is a horrible name. Taffy Anderson, who is the uh, woman who has taken a book from her son's high school library and announced she's going to uh, she's going to burn it. Yes. Yes. Um, I wanted to like, like you know I made an online petition. If your listeners wanted to go and buy books, possibly from Powell's. And so the online petition is is in aid of what? What is the purpose of it? Uh, it is to buy books for the Westland High School or whatever it is. Library that will then. Are you busy? Are you busy playing a game of Metroid or something while we're talking? No. Okay, you sound a little distracted. I am. I was in the middle of playing a different game. When... What were you in the middle of playing when we spoke? Uh, original NES Mario. Okay. Uh, where where can is this posted on my um, space page or? Uh, it is online. I think I sent you an email. All right, I, I will. I'll look through my email for it. I'll uh, maybe I'll put it up on the blog. All right then. All right, kid. Thank you. There you go. Andy, the homeschool kid. It's funny how even though I guess Metroid, which is a really old game, he was in fact a playing a video game when when he uh, called, and B is playing an old. He's playing the original NES Mario. That's just weird. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How are you today? What's up? Uh, well, I just got done with the DMV. Apparently, their computers are down, so they can't issue uh, licenses right now. Oh, I bet that makes everybody... And everybody's happy to be at the DMV anyway. Employees, the public, everybody loves being at the DMV under the best of circumstances. It's incredibly slow right now when I was there. It's incredibly slow now. Yes, it's... Yes, it's... It, it, uh, the pace has slackened somewhat from the incredible efficiency the DMV normally displays. But their oh, computer yeah. system is just down? Yeah, well, they said their computer system is down, so they can't do, like, IDs and uh, driver's license. Oh, that sucks, especially because people sometimes have, like, to get time off from work to go do that because it's one of those, like, 9 to 5 things. Or it could be somebody's, like, 16th birthday and they just want to get their driver's license. That's right. All they wanted to do was drive to, uh, you know, drive to get themselves a root beer float. Uh, ain't going to happen today. All right. Well, thank you for the uh, heads up, sir. I do have one more question for you. Yeah. I just you received the email about McCain's blinking that I did. Yeah, we read that yesterday where you calculated he was blinking like 81 times a minute. Oh, I, yeah, sorry, I haven't got a chance to listen to the show because I listened to it at work on the weekend, so I just powered through the show. Podcast so time. Yeah, no, we uh, we read it yesterday. Lisa Desjardins was was very curious to know that he had blinked. Uh, she was interested to know that he had blinked 81 times per minute that uh, McCain had during the final presidential debate. So well calculated, that was, sir. That was, that was really just the most kindest thing I could have done to him because that was the very start, and the camera went away from him for like two to three seconds. You gave him the benefit of the doubt. Well, I give him the. Well, I don't want to be. I don't want to sound liberal. Of course, of course not. You don't wish to be. You don't wish to be on the left, sir. And no. I, I, I thought it was more interesting was how much alcohol pints there would have been. Oh, if we had done like a drink when he blinks, or even drink every five blinks or something. Yeah, I mean it would have been like uh, liver poisoning all the way around that night. So you would need a whole new set of batch of listeners. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, thank you for the heads up, sir. Have a good day. There you go. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Yes, Tim Riley. And now back to more politics. Let's talk about Obama. 
Uh, Senator Obama said there are problems with a $700 billion rescue plan. It's <laughs> the loudest <laughs> apple crunching I've ever heard in my life. I'm sorry that I have my microphone off. This is a really good apple, though. What kind of apple might it be? Um, I'm to take off the sticker. I don't know. It's like a, a Macintosh, a Granny Smith, a... Maybe a, a gal, Gala, Gala, G-A-L-A. Gala. Gala. A Gala apple? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. It's very delicious. All right. I shall turn my microphone off now. Okay, then. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> Senator Obama said there are problems with a $700 billion rescue plan, otherwise known as socialism, recently passed by Congress. Although it has helped to stabilize the banks, and we hope that the banks will then lend, there's no requirement in this law that says the banks immediately have to provide loans uh, to the businesses that need it most. All right. Maybe they're taking it to go on Fox Sense in England like the AIG people did. Yes, no, no. We, we don't need that. We just need you to vote. Uh, uh... I will say this. We were talking to Dick Uliano yesterday about what how Kerry got... Oh, well, yeah, but we, a great Kerry story that we'll get to in a second, this thing that he said about McCain wearing diapers. Um, I like that story. We were talking to Dick Uliano yesterday about what happened to Kerry in the 2004 election, where they were saying, no, it's the youth vote. The youth vote is going to put me, John Kerry, in office. And then, of course, it just didn't happen. I remember seeing John King at his magic map, and he was doing that thing of saying, Wolf, they said that young people were going to come out in record numbers and vote, and it did not happen. It did not take place. And just, I think ever, I think all of the, you know, the college kids or whoever, they just kind of figured it was in the bag for Kerry, because Bush, even at that point, had such a low approval rating, and they're like, no, no, you, you know, young people are really going to step up and make a difference. And, of course, you, they did what they always do. They just slept in and got high. And they never bothered to vote, and so that, you know, that was a big disappointment. So we were talking yesterday about the Obama thing and how so much of his base, you know, the people that are raising, doing fundraising for him and out there, you know, just doing, you know, the pounding the pavement are so much of that under 25 demographic. And there's a whole thing about, like, are they actually going to show up to vote? Um, because a lot of the polls have it within four. The the biggest differential I saw was a poll that had Obama up by eight, and again because of the you know the, the plus or minus you know the, the statistical probabilities on the margin of error that could be four. So all I'm going to say is this: this, and then we'll talk to Deborah Caldwell Stone from the American Library Association. I'm just going to make this one observation, which is that can you imagine the how do I how do I phrase this? On, like all of those uh, young folks that are out there, college kids, very stripe and variety, uh, you know, a lot of them right here in Portland, everybody under the age of 25 that they have just pinned all of their hopes to the two-party system in this election, they've Probably all... Probably disappointed. They're just, I, well, I mean, that's a, I mean that, that's a given with everything. As your life goes on, your disappointments will only mount, your depression will only heighten, your sense of failure only increase. But specifically in terms of this election, you get all of these people under the age of 25 that have really just thrown their, you know, thrown their whole emotional lot in with Obama. You know, they've kind of gone all in, uh, to use the poker terminology. Can you imagine if Obama loses? Can you, I mean, can you just imagine waking up the next day and you just pick up the newspaper, you know, Ob Obama crushed in landslide. I, I, I cannot, especially in a city like Portland, I cannot even imagine what the mental state of with the, with the state of mind will be here in Portland if Obama, if Obama loses? I mean, there's going to be. You, I'm telling you this right now. You, you probably similar to Dean. You, you buy stock and whoever makes Prozac. You find a company that makes anti anxiety anxiety, uh, anxiety drugs and antidepressants. You find a company that uh, you know. You find an HMO that specializes in mental health care. 
if it looks like Obama's going to lose, you put all your money into that stock. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be like uh, 5 billion people that are calling to make shrink appointments the next day. So, all right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the American Library Association, Deborah Caldwell-Stone. Hello, Deborah. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine, Rick. Uh, how is your life? Is it satisfying in every way? Uh, most, most of the way. <laughs> All right. Would you give it, uh, on the classic one to ten scale, where would you rate the happiness of your existence at this very moment in time? Uh, seven. Seven? Yes. Okay. Well, all right then. Well, uh, let's see if we can bump that up to maybe, I don't know, like a 7.2 by the end of the call. That's going to be uh, my... That'll be great. That I, is my stated goal. I can really goal. use that. <laughs> all right. So are you, uh, are you up to speed with this? Uh, this is just my assessment. I'm not expecting you to concur with this observation. Are you up to speed with this misguided woman in Halsey, Oregon, who is uh, who has announced that she's going to be burning a book from the library? Uh, I'm a, I'm familiar with the story. Um, uh, apparently, she found the book of bunny suicides yes. in her son's backpack and was displeased with what she saw and has told the media that she doesn't intend to return the book to the library and to make sure that nobody else reads it, she's going to burn it. That is an accurate summation of all the events that have transpired uh, before mm-hmm. this. Well done. So, yeah, so here her kid goes to the high school library, checks out a book, brings it home. She sees it, goes crazy says that she's going to keep it. She is actually filing a complaint, you know, a challenge to try to get the book out of the library. But she actually says that regardless of what the school eventually does, regardless of the ruling's outcome, she's going to burn the book. And then if anybody replaces the book in the library, she's going to get somebody to take that one, too. Now, again, I am uh, I am not a lawyer, but my layman's read on the situation is that she is currently, again, just my assessment of this, mm-hmm. is that she is currently engaging in theft plans to engage in destruction of public property, and then has stated that she will more than likely engage in theft and possible destruction in the future. So my question to you is, what is there some, I mean, this is, this is kind of your guys' bailiwick, right? The, right. Uh, you know, the, the, the right of people to sort of read. So Absolutely. what can be done about this? Well, all you can do is um, hope that uh, encourage the community to participate in the process. Every and they've already announced this, of course. The, the schools district has a, a book reconsideration uh, policy. If you don't like a book, if you think for whatever reason the book doesn't belong in the shelves of the library, the library provides a process, due process, to hear your complaint and decide whether or not um, the book belongs in the library. Now, what should um, what criteria should be used? Well, you can't just use one person's criteria because everybody has a different opinion what belongs in the library. Uh, we actually say around here that a good library has something on the shelves that offends, you know, there's something on the shelf that offends everybody in the community somewhere in the library. And so, um, you know, you look at the book, see if it's serving um, a particular uh, audience in the community, right. uh, and that includes entertainment. You know, certainly, you know, everybody has what they like, um, uh, whether, uh, you know, there, there's an, in, a desire to see it in the community, um, whether, you know, it, it serves, like here, uh, from reading the stories, the, one of the reasons the school library acquired this book is that it encourages reluctant readers. Right. And certainly, it's been very popular. For example, in New Jersey, uh, the book of Bunny Suicides won an award that was voted by middle school students themselves. Because it's sort of a uh, because the the barrier for entry into the world of reading is lowered with a book like yes. this. Yes, right. and so and here's a book that's you know that appeals you know and we all I mean 
Uh, I'm a little older than your usual audience, but, you know, we all know what adolescent humor is like. And it appeals to that adolescent uh, need uh, for dark and oddball humor and things like that. Well, let's just say it. Adolescents are a little bit warped. I mean, we can just call it what it is. Absolutely. But at any rate, you know, so here's a book that, it's not obscene. It is not in the sense of sexually explicit or anything like that. It encourages kids to read. It's just, yes, it's fluff and entertainment, but there's lots of fluff and entertainment on the shelves right. of the library. And, and, uh, and so there's no, you know. So let's say that they go through the process and they say, this is, we acquired it for entertainment purposes. We right. acquired it for reluctant readers. It doesn't meet any of the criteria for being, you know, obscene or anything like that. There's no reason to take the book off the shelf. So the committee, you know, would you? Usually vote to retain the book okay. on the process. So, so I got a couple questions. First of all, sure. before, before I get to my my main query on this issue, mm-hmm. if, if to, to the best of your knowledge, I don't know if you can speak to this. At a, at a high school like this, can parents put some sort of a block on their kid's account about what the kid can check out to read and what they can't? In other words, can a parent say, "Look, uh, my kid is not allowed to check out the book of bunny suicides." It depends on the individual school system. If this uh, is a public school, is that in the generally public. allowed? Um, it's not allowed. A parent can't dictate what other kids read, period. It should not be allowed. Uh, what, uh, what happens between a parent and a child and what support the school system gives to that is based on the individual policies of every school system. So in other words, but I guess my point is if, if a parent says, if a parent feels like their kid is reading stuff that they don't like, yeah. the parent can't tell the school library, like, you may not check the following books out to my children. Uh, I have to tell you that there are some schools that do that. I don't know what the policy is in this particular community, but there are some schools that will actually work with the parents because it's their way of keeping materials accessible to everyone else. Deborah, I just don't know what to do with this fading republic of ours sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that if the child, the, you know, if the youth, you know, depending on the kid's age, you know, because they'll work with parents a lot more when the kid is under 10 than they will with adolescents right, right. who want to work with materials. But in the high school, I doubt very much that they would put a complete kind on uh, what a parent wants for a child. Okay, so uh, we're talking with Deborah Caldwell-Stone from the American Library Association. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, you've, uh, you've got this woman, Taffy Anderson, in yes. Halsey, Oregon. So she, she is in that. I mean, she said this to any number of reporters by now. She was on television last night. She said this to a print reporter. She said, I've got the book. Regardless of how the challenge uh, turns out, whether the school keeps it or not, I'm going to burn it. And if anybody replaces in the library, I'm going to take that one and keep that one, too. Now, uh, again, that seems very much to me not like a uh, euphemistic crime. That seems like an actual crime. That seems like a well, crime. That is theft. Yeah, she is, you know, she, the first book may not have been stolen per se because it was taken out on her son's library card. But what the the, the principal's already said, if she doesn't return the book, then her son's borrowing privileges are going to be blocked. I would assume that her privileges, if she has any in the library, would be blocked as well the next, you know, even if she attempted to do this again. It is a violation of library policy. It is destroying public property if she does burn it. Um, certainly the intent is there. And it's kind of sad because what she's saying is only her viewpoint counts. You know, she's not the only taxpayer in the community. I would like to know uh, in Halsey, Oregon, and I guess I don't know if these things are determined on a county-by-county basis or state-by-state basis. I would like to know what the typical penalty is for intentional destruction of public property. Well, the prosecutor in that community would have to tell you that, the public prosecutor. I mean, libraries do have policies for the lost and destroyed books, and usually it means paying for that book. 
I can tell you that something similar happened up in Maine. There was a grandmother who didn't like a particular book on the shelves of her public library. Um, it was called It's Perfectly Normal. It's a book that deals with sex ed for middle schoolers, um, and she didn't like some of the viewpoints expressed in that book. So she borrowed all the copies she could find in the local public libraries and kept them and promised that she was never going to return them to, in order to protect kids from what was in those books. And what happened there is that they actually took her to court and insisted that she pay for the books. So, and, and again, I understand that you uh, I, you may or may not be a lawyer. I, I'm assuming that you are not, but you might be. Um, do you have, if, if, if I'm asked, do you have legal legal training of any kind? Yes, I do have a law degree. Oh, excellent. Well, fantastic. So then my question is, so then taxpayers, if they are not, uh, if you're not the prosecutor or you're not going to the school, your kid's not going to the school, if you are just a taxpayer, do the taxpayers have any mechanism by which to say, look, I'm a taxpayer, I paid for that thing and she burnt it, uh, I want justice? You can file a complaint with your local prosecutor. <laughs> now, I wonder if I would have to be a resident of Halsey or of that county or if I could do it from here. I'm uh, telling you, I'll do it, like, I'll do it in yeah, 10 seconds I mean, if I can my, do it. My sense would be is that if you're, you should probably be part of the community that provides the tax support for that library all right you know but you know that that's the sad thing here is that you know there are other taxpayers and other parents other families involved here and and they have a right to hear have their uh, to uh, read that book as much as anyone else this is a book that was selected for whatever reason you know but there was certainly some thought put into its selection for reluctant readers for entertainment purposes right. whatever and and she has decided that it's not appropriate for her child or her family's values well that doesn't mean that the family three doors down appreciates dark humor and they think their 13 year old can handle it just fine and they want to be able to read that book it's you know everybody supports that library everybody has a right to access that book in the library and she you know there are processes for choosing books that uh, and there are processes for removing books but that's a place where everybody's input is uh, is taken into account, not just one person's will, viewpoint. Deborah, I will tell you, somewhere right now, Guy Montag is hanging his head in sadness and shame. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for making time, and I really, and I mean this, you, you are doing you are doing the Lord's work. You you really are. The <laughs> um, what is the uh, what is the URL of the you know the main point of entry on the net for the American Library Association? Well, where you want to go for banned books information is ala.org forward slash B books, and that will give you all kinds of information about book challenges and book banning in this country and what you can do about it. Um, and we just got finished with Banned Books Week. We observe it at the end of September every year, um, and we look at we celebrate our freedom to read and and talk about what it means to preserve that freedom and also encourage people to fight against uh, initiatives to remove books from libraries and from bookstores and just basically from uh, everybody's hands. Well, so, I, I will tell you then, I think you will agree when I say that the books, bookstores, and libraries are the only remaining firewall between intellect and the onslaught of rampant stupidity. So I, well, uh, all books are like that. And so. All right, Deborah Caldwell-Stone from the American Library Association, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. Not a problem. Thank right. you for having me. Thank you. There you go. Wonderful. Richie, can you talk to her and make sure that we've got her contact info? So now our next step is to find someone in Halsey. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking when she was saying you've got to find somebody in the community. So that's our next step. Now, there's only 750 people in the town. One of them has to. All we need this. is for one citizen of Halsey, one, one resident of the city, one resident or maybe of the county. I mean, probably in the city would be better, but I don't know what county Halsey's in. Uh, but whatever. Lynn County. All we, in Lynn County. Lynn County. So we need one taxpayer 
in Lynn County uh, to file an official complaint that property they paid for, uh, that public property purchased with tax dollars, has been to, has been taken by uh, Taffy Anderson. Uh, Taffy Anderson says she's going to burn it and that she will s- steal any subsequent uh, property that is used to replace the initial burned and stolen property. So what we need is one taxpayer from that county who will file a complaint about it. I'd be very curious to know, by the way, what you can get for intentional destruction and theft of public property. All right. So uh, thanks to Deborah Caldwell Stone. You can find out more. You just uh, you can just go to Google, type in American Library Association. All right. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. That was very educational. You know, she's great, man. Don't you love smart people? I do. I mean, look. I know we like to think of ourselves as big thinkers, but you know, a woman like that comes on the phone and you realize that. That's a woman who really knows what she's talking about. I sort of pretend that I don't. I mean, I really, unless we're talking about Three's Company, I kind of have only the vaguest quasi-mastery of things. That's a woman who's got all her eggs in one basket. Okay, well, Aaron no, is saying got that... all her marbles in one thing. She's got all of one thing in something Eggs in else. one basket. She's got everything in there. Yeah. Um, Aaron is saying that Oregon public schools are all state-funded, if it's a public school. Now, I thought that there were local property taxes and stuff that paid for school stuff. Isn't that the case, Tim? I thought local property taxes went to your community schools. Part of it. So, but part of it is state funded? I guess With like so. a state, uh, like a state income tax mm-hmm. or whatever? All right. Well, because that makes it a lot easier than I could just file the complaint today, which I will if I'm able to. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going, buddy? What's up? Hey, um, one small problem with that Halsey thing is, is like we've mentioned before, we got to boost your signal so we get service down there. We hardly get any service from you down there at all, so it's going to be tough to have listeners, you know. I think the next fundraiser then will be to lay some sort of an ISDN line, uh, which will we, then go to a loudspeaker right in the middle of the town, and we'll we be broadcast this signal to everybody. we got to do something, yeah, because the power lines, everything drives me nuts. You're driving around, and you just right. lose you. But, but good luck with it. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, Rick. Uh, yes, hello. So I was wondering, since schools are under the state, don't we have some say in um, whether or not this was our tax money or not? Well, that's what uh, – so Aaron Duran sent us an email about that. He was saying that uh, yeah. the schools were funded from state tax dollars. And here like, – can I just be honest? I don't have kids, so I follow I follow very little having to do with public schools because – what do I care? You know, and I figure they're going to jack me for the tax money one way or the other, so it doesn't. It, it, I, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to what money's going to what school. Cause, you know, I don't have any kids. Um, so, if that is the case, though, if some of it's coming from the county and some of it's coming from the state, then it does mean that we are all uh, state taxpayers here, and that we are all paying for that book, which is being held ransom, a ransom in which the woman apparently is going to burn. So, right, it, yeah. it just drives me nuts. I have a first grader, and if he brought that book home, and I didn't agree with it, and I might not for a first grader, I would just go, okay, you're taking that back tomorrow, and you're not reading it. It wouldn't even right. cross my mind well, to keep it from everybody else. It's just complete cross. That's what I would think. All right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. All right, there you go. Uh, all right. Oh, by the way, back on the election thing, this is a great email. He says, uh, Rick, each election they say record amounts of voters, and it's never, ever true. And they always say record amounts of young voters, and it's never true. He says, it reminds me when celebrities always make those rock-the-vote ads, then it turns out none of them vote, like uh, Ben Affleck. Um, he says, I may be wrong. I don't think P. Diddy voted last time, and he had that whole stupid voter-die campaign. That is true. I'm telling you, though, the the amount of emotional investment that people have uh, in this election this year. I mean, the amount just, I mean, it, it, it's the most obvious on the Obama side. I mean, obviously, you talk to my in laws, a lot of people, and we've gotten, you know, some people have emailed us today, so they voted for McCain Palin. 
you take the number of people, though, who have just pinned all of their emotional hopes on their party winning, there's going to be a big-ass nervous breakdown on one side of the aisle come November 5th, you know, or late November 4th. And I think maybe because we are in such a blue city, even though Oregon is a you know red state in some ways, we're in such a blue city that I think all of us here in this room probably know people who are just who will they will have what my grandmother used to call a conniption fit. Oh yeah. If McCain wins or if Obama loses, I mean, however you want to look at that. I'm just excited we all get to spend it together. Yes. It's going to be such a momentous occasion. Two weeks from tonight, uh, Rick Emerson's political party happening two weeks from tonight at Grand Central Bowl. Uh, that is in Ethan Morrison in lovely southeast Portland, Oregon, uh, where the women are fine and the, uh, the something else is another superlative. Uh, Grand Central Bowl, proud sponsors Taboo Adult Video and Pals Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, helping to uh, bring this to you. And we're doing it in conjunction with Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. Tim Riley broadcasting live from that location, giving updates throughout the night and across the country, Tim, on the CNN Radio Network. Isn't that right? How about that? Long-form election coverage all night on this station from CNN Radio. Lisa Desjardins is going to be, I think, anchoring the election night coverage. So, I mean, how great is this? Let's just stop and talk about how great we are for a second. That night, election night, on this station, Lisa Desjardins is doing the long-form coverage. So you get to hear literally like three hours of Lisa Desjardins talking about the election, which is just pretty freaking righteous. Tim Riley broadcasting live uh, and across the country on CNN Radio. All of us live at Grand Central Bowl with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. Listeners coming down. Million, that place got a million TVs. Huge sound system. It's brand new. Every, we were there yesterday. Everything is just uh, fantastic. It's going to be a... Have you ever there? No, I I went there for the first time yesterday. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They give you like the coolest bowling shoes and like these totally fancy like sparkly balls and like you right. get to watch music videos while you bowl and everything glows and stuff. It's just ridiculous. It is very cool. cool. I was there when it was you know the old uh, was it was it always called Grand it was Central? Grand Central and it had the trashiest bar. It was so awesome. It was you know it was kind of cool. It's an yeah. old seventies retro thing. It had that mosaic out front of the man and woman bowling. Which by the way, in my Jane and Michael Stern's Encyclopedia of Bad Taste. Uh, which is a, you know, the book that they sell across the country. The entry on bowling, the uh, illustration was that mosaic from out front of Grand Central Bowl. They actually used that mosaic in the Encyclopedia of Bad Taste to illustrate bowling. But they've revamped the whole thing, redone it. i got to say, it is really, really cool. It's a great place. Tim, have you seen it? No, the last time I bowled, I bowled uh, candle pins on the set of a bowling show at a station I worked at. But it wasn't on the air. You don't seem like the bowling type. I bowled a couple times. Are we going to get to bowl? Uh, the bowling alley, is it going to be well, open? We were asking that uh, yesterday, actually, if it's going to be, but, you know, it's open to the public, so I don't imagine they're going to shut it down. You know, some oh. family of five shows up once to bowl. I would I imagine bowl. they'll be able to do it. But it's got, um, I mean, the place is just really great. Multi-layers, lots of bars. Uh, so you can be able to get yourself a beverage. Uh, there's TVs everywhere, big seating areas. It's going to be very cool. That is two, ni- uh, two weeks, rather, from tonight. Uh, Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., Rick Emerson's political party happening at Grand Central uh, Bowl. All right, here, here's Tim Riley. Who remembers Sunku Kim? Who? Sunku oh, Kim. Wait, the panty band. The panty dude. Well, Sunku Kim's family is getting $300,000 in a wrongful accusation settlement. Mm-hmm. Relatives of Oregon's notorious panty thief uh, are getting $330,000 in a wrongful accusation. A spokesman for the Oregon Department of Justice said the state has agreed to pay Sunku Kim's family and their attorneys. Kim was once suspected in the disappearance of Brigham Young co-ed Brooke Wilberger. Remember that? They thought he was involved? Well, he wasn't. He's just—he's not a murderer. He's just a panty thief. <laughs> okay. So for their trouble, they get $313,000. You know, that is what it's all about in this country. You either have to invent like the pet rock. 
Uh-huh. Or you got to just, uh, you know, be wronged somehow. You know, they have something said, you take offense to. Like that guy, the Wikipedia entry yesterday said I was like a world-class douchebag. You know? I should just sue that guy. And I won't. So it's like, like a billion dollars. Tell him I'll settle for a hundred grand. Sanku Kim's mom, Dong Kim, said police detonated explosives at the door of her home at three o'clock in the morning and handcuffed her for two hours. She was numb, shaking uncontrollably, but they had nothing to do with it. They also seized uh, Sanku Kim's computers that contained uh, imagery of naughty things, but uh, nothing about a murder, really. He's just a panty thief. He's just a prevert, Tim, as they used to say. Then we have some uh, break it, Breaking Britney news. Uh, all right, here's your uh, Breaking Britney watch uh, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Line Los Angeles, City of Angels. A mistrial has been declared to Britney Spears' driving without a license case today, sparing the singer a criminal record for now. As she pushes to put her music career in front of her bad behavior, the jury's deadlock could not be broken, even after Los Angeles Superior Court Judge James Steele permitted prosecution and defense attorneys to make additional closing statements. Spears came close to bucking the matter altogether. The jury's final vote was 10 to 2 in favor of acquittal. A city prosecutor did not immediately indicate whether a retrial would be sought, but an afternoon hearing was scheduled to determine whether the case would be pursued further. The jury struggled with the case, since resuming deliberations Monday, telling a judge they couldn't reach a unanimous decision after five votes going back to Friday. Really? So they Because this, she's facing jail time for this. Yeah. She's facing six months in jail. So they can't five votes, they can't reach a decision. You know what that means? That means there's some people in that room that absolutely... Sarah just uh, rubbed her fingers together to imply money changing hands. We're I not saying that's the case. But you're I have something sa- on my finger. You're saying uh, that maybe she's putting moisturizer on her hands. The outward appearance of this is that, it, in other words, these symptoms are very much, in your opinion, those that you would associate with a case wherein some palms have been crossed with silver. I'm just saying this is the biggest opportunity she has had since, like, oops, I did it again, to have a comeback. And right. there's no way in hell the people around her are going to let her go to jail for six months. But, you know, there's they've had five no votes. I mean, the great thing about that is that means there's some people in the jury room who are saying, no, 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 she's got to walk. And there's some other people in the jury room who are like, she is going to jail. I'll tell you right now, I would, I would absolutely vote to put her in jail. I don't even care if she was guilty. Doesn't matter at all. If I was, I'm telling you right now, if I was on a, if I was on a jury... Uh, for for Britney Spears being accused of anything. I don't care if they accused her of murdering Jesus. Uh, I would vote to put her in jail for that, just to see it happen. I mean, look, I have no... I have no belief that the uh, you know the, the, the criminal justice system or the court system is in any way accurate or, or, or viable or somehow... Uh, you know, honorable or above board. It's not. So, you know, why not just you? Why not at least use it to have a little bit of fun? That's all I'm saying. Well, we'll have to wait till she does something in Vegas. That's no. usually the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Now, see, now that Womanizer song's going to be stuck in my head again. All right. That's a great song. You're bullish on that song, aren't you, Tim? Yes. You know the great no, thing about Womanizer? Here's what really makes that song work. The same thing that makes Womanizer, Britney Spears' new single, work is the same thing that would almost, it seems like it might almost work against it, is that the song only has like five lines. I mean, you know, there's 20 words in the whole thing. It's a whole lot of like womanizer, womanizer, blah, 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 womanizer, blah, 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 crazy womanizer, blah. I mean, that's it. 
Well, they don't want to make it too complicated for a comeback. It is very sing-songy, though, and some of the best pop music, uh, you know, has a nursery rhyme sort of sense to it. There's a it whole... seems like it could almost be too repetitive, but it's not. It's all. just repetitive enough that it works. Also, it's got that great kind of four on the floor thumping line to it, that mm, 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 thing in the background. It's got that. I don't know what the beats per minute on that song is, but you know, beats per minute. There's a whole science about that in the recording industry now, where they literally. George Clinton talked about this, where they will get people in a focus group, and they'll literally put like those. What are those sticky pad wire things like on your wrists and your heart? And so they take your pulse and your heart rate and they'll play you songs at different tempos to determine which one makes your heart, you know, your pulse race. You makes one that gets you the most excited. And then that's the tempo at which that song will be recorded and released. And there's something about the tempo of that Britney Spears single that makes it. I mean, it's just right. They put a lot of work on that song. So anyway, well, good for her. Uh, there's your Britney watch uh, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. for Tuesday. All right, so now I'm already thinking about how can we make money uh, on the outcome of this election where half the country is going to be suicidal. There's got to be a way we can, like, get cash in on that. What service? We're not shrinks. We're not licensed to do anything. What service could we be offering to, like, uh, to take advantage of that? Well, we live in a right-to-die state. <laughs> Win. I'm not even going to offer anything, Tim. That's so on the money. Um, well, that was just my first well, choice. Well, again, because look, and we're going to be talking more about this as we get closer to it. Uh, my wife and I talk about this every night. We, when we watch, uh, like, Anderson Cooper in our case, we watch, you know, the, the, talking about how close the race is. I mean, just people, and I think, it, would you agree with this? Would you agree that, at least for this election, the general sense of the electorate, now, granted, we live in Portland, but we watch news from all over. You know, we all know people who live in different places. Would you agree that the left is much more emotionally tied to their guy winning this time around than the right? Yes. I mean, if the right loses, look. I feel if, like the right isn't for McCain so much as they are anti-Obama. And they like Palin. Mm-hmm. They like Palin to some degree. They like McCain a lot less. They're just for whoever is against Obama. Well, You're totally well, right about that. They're lunatic asylum Republicans, basically. <laughs> That's the official opinion of CBS News. Deal with it. Um... So if, if Obama wins, the right is going to be angry. They'll be really pissed off, you know, and they'll be sit there and they'll nurse their wounds and they will plot some horrific comeback in 2012. Uh, some, they'll get some cyborg candidate. They're going to be angry and morose. But I would say that if McCain wins, especially, again, in a city like this one, McCain wins, people are going to be reaching. They're going to be re- reaching for, for a, a bottle and some razor blades. I mean, that's it. So we got to figure out a way to sort of uh, to cash in on that, make a little dollar on that one way or the other. Uh, we're not shrinks. We're not like licensed massage therapists. Just trying to make it better and not worse. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm just saying there's going to be people who need a whole lot of consoling. We're here to make things worse. Uh, okay, we're here to make things worse, Tim, but we're also here to make money. Can we all agree on that? Oh yes. There's going to be 48% of the country on November 5th that needs a lot of consoling. I mean, I would be curious. Here's what Steve cast about. Somebody got to do. They ought to be looking at liquor store purchases. In the week leading up to the election, and liquor store purchases like on November 5th. Because especially if Obama loses, people are going to be boozing. They're going to be drinking hard. So I'm just saying, 
It seems like there's some businesses that are probably in for a financial upswing, depending on how the election goes. If Obama loses, I bet, like... Half of the country won't show up to work the next day. They'll <laughs> have just call in, call in sick of the system. I would, I would firmly believe that. That wouldn't surprise me, actually. Mm-hmm. I that make and you know what? But here's the thing. Uh, but I don't see it going the other way. I think if I think if McCain loses, again, the right will be you know they'll be they'll be ticked off about it and they'll be angry and they will immediately start screaming that the election was rigged. I'm calling that right now. Uh, you know, because all elections are corrupt to some degree. We all know this. But I think the right is already laying the foundation for saying that the election is going to be stolen if Obama wins. I think they'll all show up. I do think if I think if Obama loses, I think you're right. I think there's going to be like 20 percent of, of like the real far left that are just like, I can't face. The, I'm sick. It's going to sit at home, covers over their head, blind down, bottle of wild turkey in one hand, gun in the other. That's it. All right. I just need to figure out how to monetize this. We take a break. We'll come back after this. Lots of calls to get to. Nina Parker from TMZ.com. Still to come. The top five. Bushwatch. Taser watch. More from Tim Riley. 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 And, uh, you know, other things of that nature. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, back after this on AM 970 The Talker. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Oh, at some point we're going to have Richie come in and talk about this gymnast he's putting it to, apparently. There's a joke there about parallel bars. No, there's not. <laughs> Pommel horse. Pommel horse might have something. Pole vault. Where's that look? All right. That's just gross. I like your shirt. Is that like a Day of the Dead shirt? Yeah, Lisa Wood actually got it for me for my birthday. I like that. And she got me a couple of them. She has fabulous taste, that Lisa. You know what I dig is I, I dig that uh, Day of the Dead artwork. Oh, my mom has that, the, yeah, the Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, that's very cool. We have all of that, like, what I'm saying to my parents this weekend, she has yeah, all these, like, creepy skulls with, like, mom, like, yeah. skull moms holding, like, skull babies. I'm like, you're kind of demented, Mom. Uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, we'll get to that. Paul's here in a second. More from Tim. Nita Parker from TMZ. Let me just read this real quickly. Uh, Dateline, Cambridge. The cradle of liberalism. Uh, U.S. Senator John Kerry, the 2004 presidential nominee, just reading that makes me tired, had some choice words for the political press corps, and in particular, uh, cable news, blah, 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 blah. And he's, I don't know, bitching and complaining about news coverage. Um, blah, 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 blah. But then we got here, we go, uh, he says, um, Kerry tried to relate to the audience what it is like to face the press corps' inquiries. Quote, I don't know if any of you know what it's like. I do. I've been asked all of those brilliant questions that were repeated this year. Uh, Barack got asked the famous boxers a brief question, said Kerry. First of all, I don't need to hear this. Kerry says, I was tempted to say I go commando style. Ew. Don't want to think about it. Was Obama a boxer? He looks like boxers. I don't know, actually. Was he, he looks act- like, no, he looks like boxer briefs. Those are uh, awesome. No, those are not. See, I can't. Those are weird looking. I think me. those I are attractive. You think so? Some Absolutely. people find them to be comfortable. I... Uh, they look comfortable. Do some people, Tim? Yes, some people do. All right. I think they're amazing because they're, you know, not everything's all, you know, I suppose flying around, but it's not all, you know, squished up there too. I right. prefer, I prefer, uh, uh, I prefer boxers though because it allows me a greater creativity. I, I can uh, show my personality to the people in the neighborhood who go by at three in the morning when I'm standing out front of my boxers, uh, cool. taking my dog for a walk. 
Holding a meat cleaver. Yeah. Uh, what? Nothing. Something out of a movie. <laughs> Holding a meat cleaver. Uh-huh. Anyway, so Carrie says, they asked John McCain about boxers or briefs, and he said, depends, said Carrie. God, we live in a weird country. I was thinking about that. the people who are running, like, who are trying to run our government. Is this it, is ridiculous. Is it any wonder there's no hope to be had? Jackass. And it was like I was watching um, the recap of that SNL thing with Sarah Palin. And look, I understand that it's, you know, politics is theater and whatever. But this is why people don't take us seriously. Other people spend their entire day trying to find enough food to feed half of, you know, the, the, half of their family living in a hut made out of pain. And then meanwhile, Sarah Palin is on Weekend Update doing the Raise the Roof thing to a rap song while some guy is dancing around dressed like an Eskimo and there's a moose being shot by Amy Poehler. And I'm looking at this going, is it the, did anyone of the rest of the country thinks that we're just freaking nuts? And, and there's snow falling from the catwalk. Right. And you're watching this going, but no one of the rest of the, the world hates us. And some bearing to this over and everyone's like, we're the grandest nation in the world over and over again. It's like, we're a freak show. We take liberty seriously. <laughs> You can tell because of this dancing moose that's standing next to our vice presidential candidate. Oh, God. I mean, I don't care, but I mean, come on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hello. Hey. First of all, boxer briefs rule. Okay, then. You know, Matt Peterson, Matt Peterson agrees with you. And Tim. Uh, oh, I... Well, I uh, grew up in Albany, and one of the years in elementary school, they took us for a great field trip to the Pope. Paper mill uh-huh. in Halsey, Oregon. Yes. How was Halsey? Was it a place where dreams go to flourish or a place where dreams go to die, sir? Uh, probably the latter. I, I, I mean, think, I, I don't even know if they do dream there. I mean, so. let me let me tell you this. Uh, I don't mean to pass judgment on anybody. Everybody's got to make a living. And again, I've noted my mom's. I can't. You know, my mom's side of the family anyway. A lot of work in the logging and paper uh, pulping business or whatever. But I got to tell you, any town where the main industry is that big ass stinky paper mill. That's not a happy town. We all know that that's true. That's just well, a fact. And if the lots of the people that don't work there are, are either Mennonites or drug dealers. So there's not a whole lot of in between as far as what people have a choice to do. Well, drug dealing is really the only recession-proof industry at this point. <laughs> oh, and uh, I was going to say this, if you think about it, it's kind of like your own Awataki Sioux. How you're uh, pursuing her with a different... Wait. Uh, the cops and everything. Wait, I've totally. Confused. Wait, I've completely. I know that. Why do I know that name? Where's that from? That's from Tom Likas. That's the lady. That, oh, uh, oh, right. The uh, yeah, the, the, the guy. That's right. The woman the who called lady, up and right? confessed. Yes, confessed to shooting a guy. That's right. Okay. Ah, uh, it's a yeah. fair comparison. I'll take that. Yeah. Wait, and one more thing. I love you guys. Oh, great day. I love you too. All right. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. I have so much to do. We've gotten to almost nothing today. <laughs> Tim's funny. You, Tim, you see, you look a little pale. No, I'm okay. You kind of you you threw some, some you weird, weird thought was just introduced into my brain. Uh, if I didn't know better, have you eaten something bad? You look a little nauseated. No, I'm fine. You sure? Uh-huh. You look like you might be sick. No, I'm fine. You're not gonna be sick, are no, you? No, Don't be no, sick. No, 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 no. So Ralph Nader filled the Baghdad theater. Just what does it take to fill the Baghdad theater? Nader. I barely knew her. All right. Did he actually fill it? Did he sell it out? That's what it says. He filled the Baghdad theater. Was it free? I don't know. I'm suspecting it was free. I don't know. It, right. I don't see any uh, numerals here. Okay. Well, he made appearances in uh, Portland at a news conference and a fundraiser. Oh, by the way, he had to cancel uh, two Eugene appearances because of uh, flight delays. Mm-hmm. He's on the ballot in the District of Columbia and 45 states, including Oregon. An L.A. man pleads innocent to a Guns and Roses piracy. The man accused of placing songs on the Internet from an unreleased album. From the rock band, the Guns N' Roses, pleaded innocent to uh, federal court charges. Kevin Kugel, who's 27, is charged with violating federal copyright law. 
The FBI says Kogel posted nine tracks from the Guns and Roses upcoming album, Chinese Democracy, on a website called antiquiet.com. Go there now. He was arrested in August at his Los Angeles home, released on bail the same day. Of all the crimes going on in Los Angeles... <laughs> just finding a guy who put up a music from an album that... Well, I might as well pull up a chair for this. So... Uh, so read, read on, if you will, uh, McDuff, and then we'll uh, I have some assessments on this. So he's, he's arrested at his Los Angeles home, released on bail the same day. He faces three years in federal prison if convicted, five years if the court finds that he posted the songs for commercial gain. Guns N' Roses said in a statement at the time of the arrest that while it does not condone Coghill's actions, quote, our interest is in the original source, unquote, of the material. Because he just put it up. He didn't steal it. Uh, it was given to him, and then he posted it online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the MPAA and the RIAA, they, they do these, this thing every now and again. They do these things where they, they will take some guy and they make an example of him. And this is such a high-profile album anyway. Um, anyway. Oh, by the way, people who watch CNN television tonight, i uh, got a couple guys, uh, you know, because I, I go on about how, uh, you know, how Amy Holmes is just like the cutest thing ever. And, uh, you know, any number of other women on CNN that I find attractive. I had a guy who was saying that he found Hillary Rosen uh, to be uh, to be somewhat attractive, Maybe a little on the uh, little on the chunky side, but th- she's cute. Here, it's worth noting this might make her uh, less attractive. You know, the thing about Hillary Rosen, that woman who's always talking on the on the panel right between Alex Castellanos and uh, and and James Carville, she was the mouthpiece for the RIAA when they were suing everybody over the Napster thing. Uh, when Metallica and Dr. Dre and all those guys were like suing folks over Napster, she was the one who kind of went out there and was sort of leading the charge on that. So, um, well, you know, when a hired gun is that, you, you know, you go where the money is. Um, what was my point? Ba ba ba, Guns N' Roses. So, Chinese democracy, of course, as everybody knows by now, I mean, it's been in the works for 17 years. I mean, it just sounds retarded even to say it out loud. It's been one of the 17 years. Yeah, it's just like you've heard the title of and over again. It just sounds stupid. Do you realize at this point that Chinese democracy has been in the works in the time between Axl Rose going into the studio? I mean, he went into the studio and, you know, in 2008, in between then and now, we have gone through one, two, three presidential administrations, basically. When Axl Rose went into the studio to start Chinese Democracy, there was no MP3. There was no uh, file sharing. There really was no Internet the way we know it now. Uh, when Axl Rose went into the studio, uh, we were only, well, what? We were still in the Bush administration, right? Yes. The Berlin Wall was still up mm. when Axl Rose went into the studio to start working on this. I mean, I was in high school, I think, when he went into the studio to start working on Chinese Democracy. Because it was before. It was right around the same time that Use Your Illusion got done, those, those records. So, anyway, fast forward to now, and so the, the late, and of course, everybody knows that the, 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 the running joke of, you know, the, the release dates that come and go, um, there's a whole article about this, the New York Times in 2005, three years ago, the New York Times did a piece called The Greatest Album Never Made about this record, which even at that point, I think it already cost $10 million. So the latest version of the story, though, is that it's going to be on sale at Best Buy. First, they said November 23rd, but I think now they're saying November 25th. Chris, can I, uh, I wonder if I can say this. I think he, he said you could. Can I say, did Chris Paddock say that I could? All right. Uh-oh. Well, I'll just say this. Uh, Chris Paddock uh, says he's heard rumblings. Let's put it that way. Chris Paddock says he's heard rumblings. But by the same token, I mean, I just don't, I don't even know that I believe it. And it's worth noting that although Best Buy is getting ready to put it on sale, they claim, Axel Rose himself and his record company have made no statement about it. They still have never, they've never said one thing. The record company and Axel have not made a single observation about it. So I, I just, you know, 
I think I'm just kind of beyond the point of caring. But it is. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, and what the reception is if it finally comes out. Jesus. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, we'll do some more headlines with Tim Riley here in just a moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ, our good friend Lena Parker. Hello there. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it is going. It is going well. Where would you put your day on the classic one to ten scale? All right, then. Good. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of things. So we uh, we were just discussing this Britney Spears trial. So I guess now we've heard that I guess the jury has voted numerous times and they can't come to any conclusion, which tells me there's at least a, pup, uh, at least a couple of people in there that are bent on her going to jail for a while. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. But there are two people that were holding out, creating a mistrial. So, uh, you know, it's something that normally would be a fine and you deal with it. But right. for whatever reason, the prosecution wanted to take this whole thing to trial and spend tax dollars on Britney Spears, you know, suspended license. So it's, it's really ridiculous. And, uh, you know, that's Hollywood for you. <laughs> it seems like there's going to be, if in the incredibly unlikely scenario, uh, you know, in the, in the event that she goes to jail for any amount of time, Brittany being Brittany, though, and the people around her being the people around her, they can undoubtedly spin that into some sort of a, I don't know, some t- a documentary, uh, some sort of a tell-all news interview for which right. she could command. I mean, she could probably, she, if Britney Spears went to jail, she could probably ask for $5 million uh, to give her story when she got out. Well, she could, but you know what? The judge uh, dismissed the criminal case charges against her. Uh, he, he, so he probably realized that this whole thing was wasting a lot of people's time, and he just dismissed it. He said, okay. He was troubled by, you know, the prosecutor said he was troubled by the outside impressions that were brought into the courtroom. And so, you know, it was just kind of, you know, who in the jury is not really going to hear about Britney Spears' saga. So the judge said, this is enough. Well, so. I'm going to tell you, uh, as a guy who runs a show every day where our stated goal is to waste everybody's time, I am firmly on the side of frivolity and uh, <laughs> and time-wasting. But, you know, who am I? I'm not a judge. Uh, all right. And then so, and then there's something here. All, all I can see here is the headline, actually, because I was clicking the link and my computer's being very, very slow. It just says... It has two of my favorite words, A-Rod and probe. And it just says, A-Rod endures most painful probe ever. And i got to tell you, I have no idea what that even means. Well, we actually, uh, what we're talking about is the camera guy actually probing A-Rod. He caught him out in New York. And, of course, anyone who catches him is going to ask him about Madonna. So uh, we had a camera guy who just asked a lot of persistent questions about Madonna, and A-Rod was not happy about it. Uh, For people that don't know, they they actually share the same manager. And he happened to be out with this particular manager when the cameraman caught him. So. And it's uh, because she's been sort of, because they've been kind of dining out, or I guess they've been seen dining together or something. Yeah, and, you know, just to kind of go with this, we uh, got some pictures of, there were some pictures fed in of one of her kids at gym class, and he had on a Yankee shirt. So we thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Maybe it's free, free stuff from A-Rod, who knows? i got to tell you, you know, when the, uh, when the Heather Mills-Paul McCartney thing was settled, I was thinking we might never get an, uh, another, uh, you know, really mudslinging, ugly celebrity divorce. But it's good to see that God smiles on us every I now know, and again. I right? Yeah. We were blessed. Hey, and final thing here, Nita Parker from TMZ, what is, it's only taken from the back here, but I'm going to say this picture of uh, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes is really weird looking. It's really creepy. fine, Paula creepy, right? It is full on creepy. They they look like matching, they both look like they're dressed as Jude Law, the sex bot from AI. Right, well, for people that, you know, want to see the picture, you can go to TMZ.com, but there's a picture of them both from the back in their gray suits, and they have their arms, each one has the arm around the other's back, and it, they, they look like twins. I mean, the only reason you can tell who's who is because Katie's a little taller, and she has a ring on, but, I mean, the same haircuts, almost same suit, you know, minus the pinstripes, 
I don't know what they got going on, but it's they need weird. a little time apart because they're starting to look exactly alike. Sarah, have you seen this photo of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes? No. It's creepy. Go to TMZ and uh, and look at it. It's weird. It's taken from the back. But again, they're wearing exactly the same. I don't mean like they have like a his version and a her version. Like they're wearing the same suit. And same then suit, she's got his haircut. haircut. Yeah, she's same, got Tom Cruise's haircut. Hair. <laughs> it's weird, man. It is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. As always, you are bringing the word to the people, uh, Nina, so we appreciate it. All right, excellent. All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you Thank soon. Thank you. There Bye-bye. you go. Nina Parker from TMZ. Oh, and of course, TMZ isn't loading. Here, I'll show you the photo. It's, check this out from the back. Oh, that's creepy. How which weird? one is which? That's what I'm saying. How weird is that? No. So we know that Tom Cruise is short, that's so he's going to be right. the one on the right. But it's, I mean, wow. I mean, I kind of quit caring about them a long time ago. I think everybody sort of wrote them off as being nutcases. But you see something like this, and it's just a little kind of a shudder mm. moment. Sure. All right. Uh, Do we know that that's actually a woman? Well, I, uh, what are you saying, Tim? Do they have more than one well, picture? Her what? hair is, is cut square in the back as a gentleman might. Why, uh, why are you implying that Tom Cruise might be standing there with his arm around a man? It may be a close friend. He may be eluding friendship. Uh-huh. Friends hug. I guess that's true. Kiss on the mouth. Me- With tongue. Uh, okay. Let's do a couple more and then we'll take a break. Here's a new Gallup poll out today. Obama is leading McCain by 11 points, 52 to 41 percent. Who knew that Cloris Leachman was still alive? I do because she was at the Bob Saget roast and she was hilarious. Okay. Well, she continues to shock and entertain as a contender on ABC's Dancing with the Stars, noting that partner Corky Ballas. Gave Clorox, Cloris a, a character to portray in each dance. After Monday night's salsa routine, host Samantha Harris asked the veteran actress about a character for that dance and immediately learned she was in dangerous territory on live television. Make sure that it doesn't have it's swear words in no, it. No, it's a something ho. It's a... Okay, we'll let it... We'll, uh, what, describe then what that did for your characterization. We don't have to go with the proper name. It's okay. It's, I know it. It's a skanky ho. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good for her. How old is Cloris Leach? Like a thousand. That's what I thought. Uh, she still look the same as she did on Mary Tyler You know that she's never... Do you, has she ever been an attractive woman? No. She was always sort of mannish. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but I guess maybe handsome, maybe, at an earlier time in her life. But not... Uh, you would never think of Cloris Leachman as being hot. I mean, not even... 35 years ago in Young Frankenstein. They were already casting her as the old crone then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, but I mean, you know, whatever. She's famous and I'm not, so God love her. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, Rick, according this email says, um, according to the Oregonian yesterday, the price of admission to see Ralph Nader at the Baghdad was donations accepted. Yeah, so that was free. That's, uh, that's what that was. And I suspect there were some guys just looking to get out of the cold. You know what I mean? Mm. All right. So, uh, one, is this Jim Roop? Is it? Is it? Is it? I think it is. Is he early? All right. Well, uh, well, what should we do, Sarah? Should we see if he can hang hang tight, or should we? Yeah, uh... we can just call him back in a few minutes, maybe. Hey, uh, Richie, can we can can we get back to Rupert in a few minutes here? Because we're uh, either we're early or he's later. Unless he wants to listen to our fine commercial sponsor. Somebody's getting to Scotland before ye. Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, here's Tim Riley. We'll do one more in any event. Well, Bob Hope comes back from the dead to support U.S. troops over the course of his long successful career. The committee collected a lot of memorabilia, which was put up for auction this weekend to raise money for U.S. veterans through the Bob and Dolores Hope Charitable Foundation. Hope's collectibles include golf clubs, cufflinks, photos, raised $601,000 for the charity. Perhaps the most sought-after item was a black-and-white photo of Britain's Duke and Duchess of Windsor, which was in Scranton to Hope. The photo sold for $27,500. Before being auctioned off, some of the memorabilia went on tour on the Queen Mary II and was on exhibit at a museum in Ireland. All right, there you go. Hey, Richie, what is the uh, 
KSL Delio. All right, so we should break here. Take a break. Tim Riley, more news later in the hour from Yee. Yes. Wonderful. Does it feel like we're getting, like we are just shoveling against an, wait, against an uphill tide? That doesn't mean anything. Shoveling against an uphill tide. But you know what I mean? It's like the news is just coming over the transom faster than we can ditch it out to people. What happens is, the less I prep, the more stuff I have for some reason. Is this like one of those, uh, it's like a thing. You know, all my metaphors are failing me today. Inside a inside a vest. Back after this with Jim Rube, more from Tim Riley at the top five. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh listener Kimberly emails in Rick. According to your Wikipedia entry, you were a male prostitute at one point. Well, that's true, of course. It's 503-733-2970. Wait, hold on. Apparently, I also I smoke a ton of weed, and I'm a male prostitute. Yeah. Cheers, Kim. That person knows you really well. I never see you without a doobie in your mouth. Oh, really, and turning tricks on 53rd and 3rd. That's true. I mean, look, what are you do? Drugs don't pay for themselves, Sarah. They sell themselves, but they don't pay for themselves. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol, what is the deal with Jim Roof? Are we calling him? All right, let's do that now. In the meantime, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, everybody, this is Benjamin. Hello, sir. How's it going? Hey, I, I've sent you a couple of times now a new song. Uh, I don't know if you got it. Oh, is this the Political the Apathy or Nihilist song? What is it called? The Political nihil- Nihilist Anthem. Yes, I. Uh, and is this an original song or a parody? Uh, that's an original. Actually, you, now this might be your first original song. I've written a couple others. This one I was willing to release to the public. Uh, but I mean for us, like it, for, for <laughs> our consumption, this might be your first. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, so we'll try to play that. Uh, we might try to get to it today. we got a lot to get to still. But uh, either today or tomorrow we'll play it. It is the, what is it called, the Political Nihilist Anthem? Yes, it is. And uh, it's kind of long. It's about four minutes. I know you may not be able to play it uh, at all. And if people don't want to wait, they can go to myspace.com slash Benjamin the Bard. And it's uh, the first song that automatically plays. All right, excellent. Totally do that. All right, excellent. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Great, wonderful. Uh, yeah, we listened to a little bit of that. I'll try to play it. I don't forget to do it today, but it, probably tomorrow, though. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio Cor- Also, I was born a woman. Uh, CNN Radio Correspondent stars James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. What's up? Hey, uh, Britney Spears is free to drive and uh, no jury yet in Phil Spector's trial. Ah, boo. You know, we heard that the Britney jury voted like five times, and I was hoping that they were just going to eventually came in and go, fine, we'll put her in jail forever. Well, it was 10 to 2 for acquittal, so... They were farther away from than guilty than the O.J. Simpson thing was. All right. All right. Well, yeah, uh, yeah I, it, it's stupid. I'm I mean, sorry. it really is. Let's face it. Yeah, I know, but I mean, time. you know. All right. Uh, and, the, and the and the prosecutor says it's a little too early to tell if we're going to retry her or not. Let it, leave it alone, for gosh sakes. Uh, and then, so I'm just we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but um, jury selection. Uh, underway in the murder retrial of music producer Phil Spector. So at this point, with every one of these trials, and I guess we just went through this OJ, with OJ, but it just becomes more and more of a farce when they claim that people are, can you form an unbiased opinion? Have you not heard anything? And people kind of go, uh, yeah, sure. And I mean, we all they pretend to be unbiased, and we pretend to believe them. 
And then we all pretend that the, you know, that the trial is proceeding in a sort of above-board and non-corrupted fashion, right? Well, you know, one thing I noticed, and I, I guess because maybe I paid more attention to it in the O.J. Simpson trial, because it is hard to find anyone who doesn't know uh, about O.J. Simpson and the 1994-95 uh, trial, right, right. even those who were born in 92, you know, those who weren't old enough to really understand things. Um, and, and what I noticed... In the explanation to the jury, or to the potential panelists, I should say, from both the judge and the lawyers, they really underscored and tried to explain the importance of just listen to what you're presented. I know you know all this stuff. I know you probably have opinions. But really, can you sit down, look at something, and decide Make a decision based right. on the merit of just this, because 1994 was at Las Vegas in 2007. Right. You know, and the way they explained it, and you could see the look on the people's faces, and the you, you could tell the ones who could and could not, and those who were who were honest to say, you know, I I I, I got to tell you, here's what I think, and I don't know that I can do this. Some of them were even kept on uh, because of, because of their honesty with that. But I, you know, I think you can find people. I really, if you get a big enough pool, they had 500 from which to choose in the Simpson thing. I think 80 here with the, uh, Spectre. But if you get enough people together, you can find 12 with a couple of alternates that I think can just sit and listen to what is presented to them just in that specific instance and make a decision based on that. You know, at some point, we're just going to have to bow to the inevitable, and when it comes to high-profile jury trials, trials like this, we're just going to have to start importing jurors from other countries. I mean, right? That's the thing. You're going to you have to go... to find a truly impartial jury, right. yeah, you or to... just allow a, a judge to make a decision. Forget the jury system when it comes to something like this. Yeah, where you find either a judge that can, you know, that can be impartial, or you just go to some hillside in Berkfordshire... And just say, hey, you guys, uh, do you want a yeah. free trip to America and some spending money? Get a couple of money? sheep herders off totally. the hill. Yeah, would you? I mean, yeah, would you? I mean, would you like to stay in a hotel and be able to shop now and again in America? And they all go, aye. And then you say, okay, get on the plane. You yeah, know, you bring them over. All right, listen to this story. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, he did it. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a story. You tell me at the end, and they go, you know, he's guilty of sin he is. And you say, yeah. well, great. That, that, thank you, know, you for serving. Brilliant. That is a brilliant freaking idea. Yes, it is, Jim Rope. Yes, the only is. way you can truly do this, as pure as it's supposed to be, is to go to some far-off land, some hillside, uh, in the in Glockshire somewhere, right. or whatever the hell it is, and just and and grab a couple of guys. You don't even need twelve. You just need like three or four. Right. And sit him down and say, okay, here's the deal. Oh, that sounds fishy to me. Then he's guilty. Because then it strips out the uh, you know the, the sort of having been steeped in the American uh, cultural consciousness for so long that you're not you know in other words it strips away all of your sort of uh, predispositions or any sort of extra crap or baggage you're going to bring to that by dint of having lived in america forever and because we will only do that with high profile cases right and there's an infinite number of people we can grab see but we would but we would make it like a like a student exchange system uh where we would say look uh look uh, uh ireland uh, we will need a handful of guys every now and again for real high profile trial but you know what whenever you have a high profile trial we'll send some folks from kansas because they don't know about any place else you're right man. find some guy from iowa Man, you probably couldn't find Iowa on a map. You know uh, what? There is there, there's, there's a very good reciprocal service element to this whole thing. See, and then it encourages, you know what it is, then we're all working together. It's cooperation. Uh, you know, it helps to uh, increase uh, the awareness uh, of and consciousness of other countries. I'm just saying. We are 
the world. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. You write that down. That's your gold idea for today. No, that's your gold idea, and I'm going to definitely bring it up. Excellent. There you go. Let me I know. I don't know to who. Hey, right. do, do you see this thing about they're closing the uh, they're closing the Greyhound uh, in Riverside? No. How I'm reading this now from Metro News. Halloween will be the last time you can catch a Greyhound bus in Riverside. The press enterprise says city officials blame Greyhound for attracting parolees, transients, and drug addicts. Greyhound has served the city at University Avenue for 60 years. The city is moving its hub to the Metrolink station. Um, Riverside's redevelopment agency has, this is the article saying this now, has strong-armed Greyhound out of downtown through an eminent domain lawsuit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why is that Greyhound's fault? Why isn't that the city of Riverside's fault? I, and I'm just, brother, I'm just reading the words on the page. So it says, Riverside's redevelopment agency, a strong-armed Greyhound out of downtown through an eminent domain lawsuit. Um, Greyhound spokeswoman Abby Wamba says she hopes to find another site to serve Riverside customers. Downtown resident Dave McNeil says he and his neighbors were hoping the station would move because of the parolees, vagrants, and other, quote, lowlifes it attracts. So there you go. News from Riverside. What bus station doesn't have that element? I, you know, I was going to say, what? Na- really, i got to tell you this. I, I live in a neighborhood where about every third person uh, looks at you as though they're trying to decide whether or not to shiv you when your back is turned. So I don't think bus station has anything to do with it. Uh, some places are bad and some places ain't. That's it. All right. Uh, and I don't think it's Greyhound that attracts. I think it's, a, it's the downtown uh, that attracts that. and the, They just happen to have... Benches at the Greyhound station for people to sit. Well, and I don't know that it's Greyhound as such. They probably get a bad rap because of that. It's a bus station. Well, and there's that whole killing and eating business that happened in Canada a while back, so they're having a bit of a year anyway. (laughs) But my thing about, let's just take Greyhound out of this, my thing about uh, a lot of the public transit, uh, you know, or things that are quasi-public transit, like a a Greyhound bus line, it's not that there's something bad about those things per se, but it's just that anything that is sort of... Anything that gets uh, some large chunk of its business, maybe from the um, folks who are financially disadvantaged, you know, a lot of times... Uh, well, yeah, that bus is, fare's cheaper, yeah. plane fare. So you maybe, and not only that, but, you know, it's it's a big area with where people wait, so it's a great place to right. take a nap if you're homeless or, or shelter in, in the cold or the wet weather. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the fault of Greyhound. That's just a condition of bus stations. Well, it's con- if the city of Riverside was really that concerned about it, they'd build a couple of shelters. Well, and I think it's a condition of just of, I mean, not to be all highbrow about this, because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it, it's just a, it is just a, it is not even a condition of, of, it's not a condition of anything but just socioeconomic fact, uh, that as poverty goes up, uh, crime goes up. Uh, you know, that's just the thing, for any number of reasons. And so you get a place that maybe uh, attracts folks who maybe don't have the same amount of money. Seems like there's going to be some bad stuff. But, yeah, you know. but they're, they're robbing from people who don't have money, too. Yeah, what can you do? You can rob somebody, go to the airport. See, that's what I'm saying, or Beverly Hills. Yeah. I mean, not that you should do it, it's wrong, but I mean, like, if you absolutely have to. But if I was going to be homeless, that's where I'd be homeless. And then we'll have you convicted by some guys from Ireland. <laughs> Bam! Bringing it all around. <laughs> all right, brother, you on tomorrow? Oh, yes, sir. All right, we'll talk to you then. Have a good right. day, sir. You too. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, Richie Bristol, will you come to the studio, please? Uh, let's see, where's my uh, with the hole in the hay and the. You know, I still don't think he's figured out why we play this music for him. Richie? Him. Has mm-hmm. he ever seen the crying game? I don't think so. All right. Join down the studio by our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Hello there. Toothbrush. Are you still chewing on a toothbrush? So i got to buy you some toothpicks. I'm sorry. It's Once my fault. I've failed you. I've. Uh, you quit smoking, and I keep forgetting to buy you toothpicks, so you keep walking over the toothbrush in your mouth. I'll chew those toothpicks up, though. 
You're chewing the toothbrush up. Well, oh, oh, oh you're like eating on the it. bristles. Oh, that's Richie, do you know Richie why bristles. we play this song for you? Huh? You know why we play this music for you? What music? Are you listening? The music playing. Now I am playing. Hold on, let me start it again. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let's slide. That music? Yes. Do you know what the song is? Uh, yeah, some show. But, but, could, what's could the show about? You vague that up a little for us. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. You have no idea what this music is. Uh, yeah, I heard you say it before. I can't think right now. Okay, well, never mind it. Okay. okay. Isn't it Dexter or something? Sure. So, so we've had, well, first of all, we had one listener today say that you were hitting on him. Which, again, I don't care. Hitting on him? You know, we're a diverse uh, show, diverse audience, Big Ten. I don't care. And maybe it was accidentally Rochelle. Maybe Rochelle came out to play and you just weren't really aware of hey, it. Hey, that's a good question. Did you find a Rochelle ever filtering out through your normal personality when you don't really intend for it Rochelle to be the case? Rochelle men lap dances. I've seen the videos that Richie's taken. Fireman. I don't lap. remember any of that. I'm just kidding. That's a different person. That uh-huh. guy, maybe, what do they call that? So does Multiple Rochelle personalities? like men? No. Wait, I don't understand. <laughs> I've seen I've seen Rochelle, your female uh, alter persona or whatever. I've seen her giving lap dances to dudes on video. Well, she's playing a girl. Well, she is a girl, or she wants to be a girl. This or... is creepy. This is like when guys are in the guys are in the. This is like what he thinks girls do. He's like, I need to give people lap dances. And this is also like when guys are in the interrogation box on CSI, and they're going. Well, I didn't kill her, but the bad Richie might have. <laughs> yeah. And then the Indian starts chewing on his own skin. That's funny. Uh, but you never find yourself uh, in your normal day-to-day affairs, out and about doing whatever, and you, you, you suddenly realize that the, you're acting a little bit like Rochelle? Never happens? Uh, it's starting to more and more because I'm trying to get into character. Yes. Like every Sunday you're night. You're a method actor. Like Sunday nights. Yeah. yeah. My brother and my friends, they kind of, it's been clearing up. Have you learned some songs? Are you still doing that same idea that you had the other... No, no. I think I got over that. What song are burn. you learning? Uh, Bed Midler. Which one? I want some of that. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'll get you a piano player to go on tour and you're all set. Uh, all right. What the hell are we going to ask? Oh, anyway, so so one guy said you were hitting on him, but then this other listener called in. He was talking about something or other earlier in the program, and he said that just unsolicited, unbidden, you volunteered to him that you were getting it on with some gymnast, and so you're trying to lose weight because you don't want to crush her, and I'm assuming that's not emotionally speaking. I'm assuming that you feel like you weigh too much. Yeah. So let's back up. What? Do, tell us about this gymnast. I can't believe you didn't tell us about this. Oh, no. Uh, five feet tall. But, I mean, who? so it's a, it's a, it's a woman. Where did you meet her? Uh, what kind of place? Well, how, how, what sort of meeting did you have? How did you hook, hook I up met her on the pole at a strip club. Not a strip club. At a, is she a stripper? She American Cowgirls. Is she a stripper? No. So it was just... The, wait, so I, is that a place where like anybody can get up and kind of do their thing? There's like five or six poles at... Uh, one American of our proud Cowgirls. sponsors, by the way. And so, so is she's it, a Polish girl. <laughs> but is it one of those <laughs> things where like like you know amateur like you know just girls who are just there can get up and do it? Yeah, they do coyote ugly and everything right. like that. And, like you can see up mm-hmm. all their skirts when you're down below. <laughs> you are so sophisticated yeah, and classy. <laughs> um, so iPhone. she's there, but where are you? Is there as a customer? Uh, I just got my mouth open, going, "Oh my god!" But I mean, you're in other words, you weren't there with her. You were just there as a customer. I was with another mutual friend. Like it was okay. somebody's birthday so that I didn't know. Her. Yeah, it was somebody's birthday I didn't know. And then, but um, she gets up and she's dancing. Right, and then you struck up a conversation with her. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and then <laughs> she kind of lays it all on the table. She's the kind of girl to jump on the table and start swinging around. I don't know. The we pole. just started a photo session. It was cool because I just went up there to the pool. Oh, too. Is this the girl in your MySpace said you all like groupy. I was so yeah, so confused. Yeah. What night was this that you met her? Oh, that was months ago. 
Sarah, I'm so confused already. I oh, thought it was a, a recent video. girl. Okay, so Richie, I guess, slept with this girl a while ago, and then now there's been a resurgence, and they went to like four malls together yesterday no, or I something. I didn't sleep with her a while ago. Oh, you slept with her yesterday? When did you first have relations oh. with her? <laughs> I thought it was a while wow, we're ago. we're airing this. Uh, when did you first have uh, carnal knowledge of her? Let's say... Sarah's at yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I, I was under the impression that it was... I, I didn't realize it was yesterday. No, it wasn't yesterday. The day before yesterday? Oh, just, no. just tell us. But she stopped playing for uh, A couple weeks ago. Okay, fine. So, now she's a gymnast? She's really yeah. cute, though. What celebrity does she most resemble, before I look at her picture? Okay. Uh, I want to hear, Richie, though, your assessment. What celebrity does she most resemble? Uh, I don't know. What celebrity, Sarah, would you say she most she resembles? She has crazy eyes. She looks like somebody who would be on the real world. All right, well, let me look. We're not going to identify... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's her, right, Richie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, she's attractive. I'm just saying. She's um, a, yeah, she's like. She looks a little manic. <laughs> I mean, which is good. I mean, you know what they say about girls like that. All right. Uh, so, so she's a gymnast, and you're afraid that you weigh so much you might crush her. Yeah, I weigh. Has she expressed this concern? No. Did you crush? Well, I mean, <laughs> how did you figure it out the last time around? Yeah, like what is the in, what is I mean, indicated you guys have to you? Been Loss of breath, and I know it's not because of my image. <laughs> Wait, so she was having difficulty breathing while you were sitting on top of her. <laughs> That's the best thing. <laughs> so it was a whole lot of like, you're so hot and you're compressing my ribcage. <laughs> not there. Not there. Don't put your hand there. I think we're talking about two different things. Yeah. So you were laying on top of her and you weighed enough that she was having trouble breathing. Yeah, when you... That's fantastic. Well, wow, that's sexy. When your leg weighs as much as they do, you got a problem. All right, so you're having to drop weight so that you can lay on top of this girl without crushing her. Well, not only that, I want to look and feel younger because there's... Kind of you have to be able to work the pole a little as bit. Kevin, <laughs> there's a little age difference there that I want to make up. Really? How much younger than you is she? Oh, Let's just say somebody has daddy issues. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I don't really, and I don't even remember how old you are, Richie, so I won't know how old she is. How much younger than you is she, though? Uh, let's just say... Let's just say that Richie could be her father. I had my life. Is that... Wait, hold on. Now, biologically yeah. speaking, could you be her father? Yeah. <laughs> Richie? I haven't seen her mom yet, but I was trying to. And then that led into a conversation with him and Joe talking in the kitchen, and Joe's like, I never felt younger than when I was 40 and I was dating a 20-year-old. <laughs> so, Richie, so, but let's, let's clarify what Sarah said. Let's confirm this. Are you old enough to, technically speaking, be her father, biologically? Yeah. How many years? What, what kind of year? Are we talking... Really? <laughs> that many? Good for you. Well done, Richie. All right. Well, uh, look, I mean, I mean, look, if you think you need to drop weight to, to you know, to... So you guys going to hang out again soon? Uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. What well, do? what do you? Uh, well, for for Halloween, I'm gonna be a cheerleader, and she's gonna be a football player. All right. Matching Halloween costumes, pretty promising. All right then. Uh, um, and so now, has she indicated to you in any other way that she uh, wants you to lose weight? In other words, she hasn't said anything about your parents. No, 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 no. All right. Does what she do you... like you? Does she tell you that she likes you? I don't know. Does she? Uh, at, <laughs> at any... What happened? What happened after the fornication? Were you guys just like all sweet, or were you just like, okay, bye? I know I didn't even give her my number. <laughs> oh, she oh, had no. to get my. Do you know her last name? Don't no. say it. No. You don't have to say it, but I mean, do you know her last name? No, I never thought of that. Okay. <laughs> That's great. What are you? What are you going to do to lose weight? Uh, lots of stuff. I'm in like fit class, and so you are. So you are actively seeking a way to lose weight. This is a yeah. thing you're not, you're not just passive about it. You're actively going to lose He's weight. He's doing a great job too. He eats salads every day. We, Tim and I saw him eating oatmeal this morning. And so that's to uh, that's to keep this girl. Forty five pounds in ninety days. That's what I'm going to. That's do. your goal. Yes. Isn't that two pounds a day? No, that's half a pound a day. Half a pound a day. I already got fifteen. So. Can you do that and not die, Tim? Can you lose half a pound a day for ninety days and not die? 
I'm not sure. Are you using like weight loss supplements? Like all kinds of stuff. Oh, Richie, be careful. Okay. Well, whatever. Right. Forty five pounds, I got it right here. <laughs> uh huh. I grab my roll. Please don't oh. say things like that. I don't need to hear that anymore. I think you oh, peaked with that. the like yeah. the grunting noises. All right. <laughs> if she's uh if she's very good, does she get a pony at some point? <laughs> my little pony. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Hello, Tim Riley. I don't know what to say after hearing that. Oh, we're going to go out on that joke. You have more news for us. Yes, I do. All right, we'll come back with Tim Riley at the uh, Ministry of Truth. I didn't, I didn't think that could get funnier than it did. Well done. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. in Denver, and I just can't remember her name. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, let's see here. This is about, uh, let's see, we're getting uh, more emails about the... What is he going Taffy McBookburner. Rick, Oregon public schools are funded from various sources, but a significant chunk of that money comes from the state general fund. From the Oregon Department of Education website, it says, quote, Revenues for the general fund come from two main sources, money from the state. The state money, called the state school fund, is taken mainly from Oregon's income tax, uh, into which, by the way, Tim and Sarah and myself and y'all pay. All public schools in Oregon receive state school funding each year and local property taxes. So there you go. So we are, in fact, helping to pay for books at the, uh, what is it, the Central Lynn High School or whatever that is, that library, uh, with Taffy Anderson. Uh, it has this uh, book that she uh, is not giving back and has said she's going to burn. So we're uh, we're, we're going to this is uh, this is not going to be let go by me. We're going to stay on this. Uh, we've also got this, Rick. We always joke about how Ralph Nader has zero chance of ever being elected to anything anywhere. But my question is, who the hell keeps giving him money? He can't be funding it all himself. I can barely convince people to give me money, and I have a better than likely chance of succeeding at what I do. Are these donors just trying to make a statement? What gives? I don't really know. That's a good question, actually. Now, who is writing checks to Ralph Nader at this point? Uh, it just uh, it kind of staggers the imagination. Well, what can you do? All right, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, no. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Here's good news for your Dexter fans. Showtime has given the green light to two more seasons. Says the network president, Dexter's enormous success is a tribute to the great achievements of its cast, the producing team, the author of the original book, and the gifted Michael C. Hall. I thought at best we would attract a devoted cult audience, but soon realized that, ironically, this show is so thematically rich and layered with humanity that audiences of all kind have flocked to it. That's the sort of thing that, that unnerves me, though, because Dexter is really good, but you do have to wonder how long they can drag that series out. I mean, how long can you sort of have him almost caught every year and then he sort of miraculously escapes. I, if you renew it on a season-by-season basis or if there is some predetermined cutoff point, like there was a Battlestar or The Wire, uh, you know, that's one thing. But when the network sees money and they just infinitely extend it, that's when you really start, that's when the show turns into crap. Because they just dangle enough dollars that they just keep doing it year after year, even though you've run out all the plot lines and it really it strained your, uh, you know, the credulity of your audience. Oh, what do I know? Let's do the top five. All right, here's your top five uh, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Shouting is wonderful. 
We've got the quote here from the Daily Mail. Sarah was right. Guy Ritchie says, making love to Madonna was like cuddling up to a piece of gristle. There you go. That's no way to treat a lady, Guy Ritchie. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And in the annals of pop history, there's any number of performers who come from a wholly different section of the arts. So different, in fact, it's hard to imagine that they ever fancy themselves as musical performers of any variety. These are the top five celebrities you probably didn't know released a musical album. So this is, uh, we should say, in other words, here's what this list is and here's what it's not. It's not, uh, you know, it's not going to be William Shatner or, uh, you know, like a lot of people have heard, like that Jack Webb album where he was doing you know, Try a Little Tenors. Sometimes when she gets weary, I guess I'm doing Shatner there. But you know what I mean? This is not some of that stuff that Rhino Records has been putting out for years, the very well-known bad celebrity songs. Uh, these are songs from albums put out by celebrities that you probably didn't even know existed. Uh, Tim Riley. Honorable mention, Elijah Milano. Sarah, you want to do a, a little interpretation there? A little, uh, you want to interpret that? Elijah Milano? That's what it looks like to me. want to translate? Who might that really be? Alyssa Milano. There you go. Okay. <laughs> by the way, you'll forgive me if I don't know the names of these albums in many cases, because... I don't care that much. This is snappy. Yes, it is. Kind of like a sitcom theme. Really? By the way, the original version of the song is like two and a half minutes long. This one's five and a half minutes. She's buried behind the wall of sound. She really is. And in terms of running commentary, I'm not really sure what I can contribute to this except to say this is Alyssa Milano. This is a killing time. We gotta stretch it. We got a whole album to fill. I wonder when this record came out. I wish I'd known about this when we had her on the show that one time. We could have totally uh we should have just made her talk about this for the full segment. You know, because wasn't she on to talk about John Kerry? Wasn't that her thing? She sure was. Found a lot of good it did. Political... And that dude from the OC. The political clout of Alyssa Milano is not quite what we anticipated it to be. Uh, all right. Uh, top five celebrities you probably didn't know released a musical album. Five. Muhammad Ali. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... No. Cassius Clay. Loaned to his friends as Muhammad Ali. Why did he do this? <laughs> I don't know. This can't be what I think it is. No, you sound it. like Grissom on CSI. Why would he do this? When the night yeah. has come, it's not as bad as it could be. And the land is dark, and the moon is the only light we see. Once again, I give you heavyweight fighter I would say this is maybe. Slightly better than average karaoke singing, maybe. Not flat out terrible. Not necessarily it's okay. good. It's, it's not there. Sincere. Yeah, he, he, he feels it, Tim. He has a lot of soul. I would say he's he's doing his best here. And why 
what do you have to do a good job? <laughs> I'll say this, by the way. Uh, we'll be a first, because especially this time, who's going to get on the television? That sucks. Muhammad Ali, you suck. I mean, I, I don't think it was safe to say that. It, it, you know, more so now. But at that point, I don't think you wanted to be saying that. The best part about this is I pulled this audio from a YouTube video. And it's one of those great slideshows where it's very, very literal. So they're doing that, like, as the sky we look upon. And it's a picture of the sky. It's a tumble and fall, and it's like a guy falling over. Oh, God. Top five celebrities you probably didn't know put out a record. Number four, Brian Austin Green. Oh, yeah. Will this bring the now to an O'Day? You know, I can't really speak to that, Sarah. I mean, this sounds contemporary. Has that magic uh-huh. I have the question about this, Tim, about the last song. Which is why why did he do this? There was a time when I used to think past physical acts. I was tired of leaving too many tracks and no one had my back. Always looking on the other hand, till the other man pointed out another lady that could join the clan. I was kind of hesitant, because I wasn't sure if super masculine was the way I was to represent. I mean, clan isn't the best word to be using in your rap song. <laughs> Thoughts, Sarah Dillon? This is really sad. Screech would do. Well, all right, we are doing the five celebrities you didn't know put it on an album. Tim? Number three, Emmanuel Lewis. I have to give some setup to this Emmanuel Lewis clip. He was television's Webster, by the way. Where is Emmanuel Lewis now? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I, I mean, you're not like Gary Coleman, who's in the news enough that you can sort of track him, right? Uh-huh. Gary Coleman is like a submarine that's got to come up for air every now and again. So you go, they, over there. There he is. Punching a security guard. Wait, he's in Utah. Now he's in court. Emmanuel Lewis is just sort of gone. Sarah, you should look up Emmanuel Lewis. I'm looking him up right now. Uh, Emmanuel, that's a two M's, one N. Um... So this, Emmanuel Lewis, fill in this uh, blank, was huge in, not physically, of course, but in terms of his fame, Emmanuel Lewis, the singer, was huge in what country? Anyone? I don't know. Belgium. Oh, come on. You know the answer to this. I don't. Where is where is weird stuff always popular? Japan. There you go. So um, he put out this single called, I think it's called Cityscape, City Lights, the cities in there other. But here's the funny thing. True story about this song. It was put out as, on a biodegradable cassette tape. I guess it was like some it was like some environmental thing, like way before its time, like in the 80s. So the tape was biodegradable, meaning you had it, and then it just like half-lifed into dust after a while. So there are almost no recordings of this song left because they were all put on biodegradable tape. So this is all that remains of his song because the rest just rotted away. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you a menu. And I swear to God, I don't know what language he's singing in here. It might be Japanese, it might be English. I give you Emmanuel Lewis. All right, English or Japanese? There's a couple of English words. Yeah, so maybe telephone. English and Japanese. I don't know what's going on here. Combination both. All right. It's sort of an English kind of a thing, as they call it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, TV's Emmanuel Lewis. All right. Uh, top five celebrities you probably didn't know released an album. He sounds like a talking Tina doll that's coming to cut your head off. All right. Number two, Burt Reynolds. 
Without a full album, by the way. The softer side of... The surface scratches of Burt Reynolds. There's a house in my mind. Yeah. It's more than a house. It's made of dreams that are more than dreams. And the rooms of that house are carefully filled with my most loved people and things. Sarah Palin should play this she there's one as she leaves the stage after a campaign appearance. At the top of the stairs, with a door untouched and new. I have a puppy at home. Reserve if you don't come with me, I'll kill it. A son that I've never had. Get in my van. One room for a boy. Never used. Put your wrists together. The drapes are done in trains. This sounds like one of those uh, things where you'd send off your poetry to some magazine and they'd have it like backed by a string section and send it back. For like forty dollars. Football helmet, a ball, a bat, a glove. I swear to God, I don't know what he's talking about. I here. don't either. I kind of lost interest in my time. <laughs> and uh, finally, ladies and gentlemen, the man, by the door. really, do you think? Well, I can't his, tell. In his prime, I can't separate him from the sort of caricature that he became. I I can't tell. You know, he yeah, did. wasn't too overexposed to him, so. You know, he showed it all for Playgirl. Did he? Yes, he did. Oh, I'm googling right now. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing the top five celebrities you probably didn't know released it. This next one is a montage. I couldn't just pick one song. This next one is like five different tracks all put together from this guy. Is Burt Reynolds still speaking? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tim. I did. Burt Reynolds played. Play girl? Play girl. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. You're not going to stand listen to these, Tim? This is Rodney singing Strangers in the Night. Come on, man. Oh, I'll catch it on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour, all the way through, like us. This is from an album, I swear to God, called Romeo Rodney. No. Yes, all love songs. Where angels fit to tread. Get all of Rodney's greatest hits. And so I come to you. Songs you've loved for years. My heart above. Now available for the first time in one fantastic collection. On the Rick Emerson Show. Experience all the magic moods. Of Rodney Dangerfield. My foolish heart. A legendary voice. Between the singing just for you. That's hard to see on an evening okay. such as this. Let's take a break, shall we? Come back, wrap it up after this. If we have time, we'll do another exit poll before the top of the hour. Yes. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show continues next. Somewhere there's a party. All right, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. The final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Peter Carlin from the Oregonian and Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, also, before the end of the week, we're going to be giving away two pair of tickets to Against Me and Ted Leo and the Pharmacists. Uh, oh, yeah. Which apparently is a show you really ought to see. So maybe I should try to get tickets for that. Or ticks, as they say. Ticks. I'll try what to do what? that. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? Well, we don't have time to be fair to another caller here. So, um, and so forth. Oh, tomorrow we will actually begin the exit polling in earnest, by the way. We kind of did one of those. Uh, so tomorrow, the exit polling in earnest, and we really, and the guy who called about the Mad Men timeline, I have not forgotten thee. 
Uh, we will do that tomorrow as well. Uh, we want to thank uh, Cena Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castamon, James Roop, as well as Nina Parker from TMZ.com, and Deborah Cole. Ah, oh, I forgot her last name. Deborah from the American Library Association. I'm so sorry about that. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM9 Sever, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. Don't forget, Rick Emerson's political party, two weeks from tonight. Like us next. See you all tomorrow, Tim, for the recap. I'll for the show. Thanks for listening. Be safe. War for folks. Bye. One big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals.